are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yes, you asked for it. It's my Desert Island Graps. Are you pleased? Now, Adam Pacitti has organised somebody to come and do this. I don't know who he's organised, um, but I guess I can hear a chair, so we're going to find out <laughs> relatively soon. I'll eat Bell. <laughs> How are you doing? I don't... <laughs> I don't think that... Whilst I think... <laughs> Whilst I think you think you think you're Matthew, I am. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think. Oh for God. <laughs> Look, that's my best impression. Oh God. That's my best impression. I quite like this. Oh God. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Hi. <laughs> oh. Don't worry. I don't know who I am either. Hi. So. Hi. How'd you get so, here? Okay, I've got to level with you. It's great, isn't it? You don't know me. I'm dating him. Hello. And. Uh, for a while, a million years. People roughly. have been asking, "When is Tom going to do his desert island graps?" This has been a long time coming. This was an idea oh, that Adam God. had ages ago. I'm talking months and months and months. <laughs> and he went, "Right, I completely forgot about it." And he went, "Oh, so are you ready to do desert island graps with with Tom?" And I went, "Pardon? Now you had no idea about this. This is news to me. You reminded me. So yeah, I'm here. Oh, Hi. You don't even like wrestling? No, I don't. So." Just this, right, this, oh, no. this comes with a disclaimer. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm Can't doing. I believe you're here. Hi. 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 I'm surprised they let me in, to be honest. You look lovely. Uh, thanks. I've not got a you, face on. You don't normally, but you do. Thanks. You bit of slap. Lovely. Bit of slap. Do you so, make that? In case. No, just like, That's amazing. That's, like That's a amazing. Paintbrush underneath. And a bit of, <laughs> did a blue pizza. That's class. Isn't it cool? Oh, my God. Anyway, so yeah. Um, oh, God, you, lovely. You don't know me. <laughs> 
a very long time coming. Christmas Day today. I'm liking the bubbly. I told you we spent Christmas Day together. Yeah, for the first time. I mean, we are. I mean, in real time, we are spending Christmas Day together for the, for first, the first time. For the first time in seven years. Unless by this point we've really fallen out. <laughs> yeah, by the time this goes out. <laughs> we might have done. <laughs> in which case, uh, Tom, it's been fun. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> it might have been. Sorry, you, I know you were doing a lovely intro and I was just cracking up. No, it's, it's fine. I've got the, a... The pre, I've got... The pre, <laughs> I find that the barcode inside mm, delicious. These, these lovely glasses. Right, let's let's do this proper. Is this what you normally do for Desert Island Graps? And you no, this is a lovely and... extra edition. What are you doing? Just trying to get this would off you, here. Would, okay. There we go. There we go. I was just removing the label for those listening on the podcast and not watching on the YouTube channel. Yeah, with all the rattling and everything. So welcome going to you. Yeah. Welcome to the internet. Thank you for allowing me to, to pop by. News yeah, to so me. I, I didn't get a say in the matter. So. so I'm sorry for those of you hoping for Matthew Gregg. I am not Matthew Gregg, <laughs> as you might have been able to tell. He's somebody I've definitely different. He's somebody I've definitely kissed though. That well, yeah, as well as what? Yes. <laughs> oh. There we go. So. Oh, lovely. This could all go wrong. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, how exciting! Cheers. Merry Chin Christmas. Chin. Merry Christmas, Merry to, you Christmas to you and yours. Hope you're having a lovely Christmas. I yeah. certainly am. It's like the, like the Queen's speech. This, but obviously, you know, for the you alternative it, you version. You calling me a queen? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Oh. So do you? Know, <laughs> I, I, so I mean, what do we do? What is You know, you've you've seen a few of them, right? I have. I've got a general gist. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So, so, right, so Tom. Um, hi. Hi. We're going to whisk you away to a desert oh, island. Oh, what a great concept for a show that wasn't ripped off from Radio 2. Yeah. Love so, Sue Rawley. You're going to choose three wrestling shows throughout um, history. Oh, you choose matches normally. Matches. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Matches, Sorry. not shows. Matches. This is Ace. Matches. <laughs> We're also going to allow you to have an album of your choice. A film of your choice and a luxury item. Oh, and we're going to talk about everything and anything in between. Everything as well. and anything in between. Oh, wow. So, I know a lot of people are sort of thinking, ah, oh, well, Tom's got a few uh, skeletons in his closet. I saw, I saw at least two YouTube comments. He can't be that. that nice in real life. He uh, must be hiding something. We're going to find out. Or aren't is we? he? We're going to find out together, aren't we? Yeah. So, uh, I, so, I mean, you're leading this, so I'm just going to sort start, of okay, so let, you, let you roll with this. Tom Campbell. Hi. Welcome. Thank you very much Hi. for having me. It's an honor to be here. Let's start a little bit with. I want to know initially where the idea for this came from. Sue Lawley. How... <laughs> <laughs> Sue Lawley. So the idea for the show. Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, full disclosure, it is Sue Lawley's idea. It's, very, oh, it's the BBC's idea, technically. So um, here in the UK, there's a, a wonderful radio show called Desert Island oh, Discs. Discs, where celebrities are asked to choose 10 songs that they would take onto a luxury, onto an island with them. And um, when I joined Cultaholic, I basically, I, my, my, my role was kind of, as well as doing videos, I kind of wanted to be sort of unofficially head of audio. Because, you know, as we... That was your jam. As we will talk about, this is my jam. Yeah. And uh, so I pitched 15 odd ideas to, to Adam for things I wanted to do that weren't just sort of the, the run of the mill. Like, I love doing the news podcasts on the morning and I love doing the classic reviews with the team, I do. But I thought the audio medium, as we know, because you're a radio person as well. Yeah, that's how we met. And, was the, is how, and we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, um, the the joy of radio is is being able to, to, to paint different images in your mind's eye. And that's the thing that's always captured me. And so I've came up with this list of ideas of things that were a little bit different. And because of that, because if you subscribe to the podcast, you get things like Wrestling Curiosities, which is a documentary, which is, you know, a well-produced bit of storytelling around mythical, magical, historical wrestling stuff. Um, you get as well as... And then one of the ideas I wrote was just Desert Island Graps. I didn't think any more of it. I just thought it's a nice play on Desert Island Discs. 
And I remember Adam messaging me saying, yeah, I've had a look through the ideas. He said, tell me more about Desert Island Grabs. I said, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Here we go. I, and again, the, the great radio trick is you come up with a title Yeah, work backwards. And work backwards. Yeah. So like I had the title, I didn't have the... So I just said, um, they pick three wrestling matches that they would watch on a desert island. And he went, all right, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. But the whole cal- but then it started off very much like that. But what it kind of became, very accidentally, was a bit of a therapy session. You become like the mental health guy. Yeah, which I think I don't think you were expecting either. I I wasn't. I mean, the one thing I wanted to do with the show is have it so. And this isn't the last one, by the way. I'm very aware that I'm talking about <laughs> it like this is the last one. No, I've got about. Well, if no one watches this, it might be. I might be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. No, no, there's about eight lined up for the podcast next year, so it's fine. This isn't the last one, I promise. Um, but um, the, the I kind of just wanted it to be a, a bit different because I feel like a lot of radio, a lot of podcast interviews and wrestling podcasts all sound very the same. Yeah. And that's with no disrespect to some of my peers, like because some of them are incredible at what they do. Big love to uh, the likes of Sean Ross App and Chris Van Vliet. They're brilliant. But I, I kind of thought that whilst I haven't got the name value of these people, I'd like to come up with something that's a little different that's going to make me stand out in a very busy podcast marketplace. It's a bit more heart and soul to it. It's a bit more heart and soul to it, exactly. And, and initially it, made, it didn't start that way, but I liked the best parts for me about doing these shows has been when we don't talk about wrestling. Mm. Like, that's the joy for me because a lot of these guys who I've had on, a lot of these wonderful p- performers, male, female, and, and, and non-binary, what are the ones we've had on? They've, um, the, the wrestling stuff, they talk about a lot. And you hear it a lot in interviews. So I was keen to go, well, what else would there have been? Mm. You know, that's why There's I like... There's a lot more to people, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, I found out some of my favourite wrestlers, like want to be accountants and some of my favorite wrestlers have you know had had dreams of working in theater and and have hobbies you know and, and love fishing and and stuff like that and multiple times by accident we've stumbled across a little something about a wrestler that I love that has thrown me away blown me away we had Jonathan Gresham on the other week and he said you know Jonathan Gresham very reserved character excellent wrestler very reserved in interviews and when I a couple of minutes into the interview, and I said, you know, what would it have been had you not discovered wrestling? And he said, um, I probably would have been in jail. Wow. And and my job then is to, you know, be a little bit bullshit Why? and pull Why on that yeah, pull yeah, on yeah. that thread, not stick to the linear questions I've got. Because if I go off on this beaten track, I guess in my in my, I've always been a bit of a wanderer in real life. So I guess it plays on that the idea of okay, well I've got to get here, but what if I go this way? you may find a dead end or you may find something more intriguing. And that's been the best part for doing this show yeah. has been some of the journeys that we've been on with Real with life guests. conversations aren't scripted. No. You know? So, and I'm so why flattered. should this be in that way? Yeah. And I'm flattered by how many of them at the end will turn around and go, this is one of my favourite interviews. Because it's personal. Yeah. Speaking of which. I'm really flattered. Speaking of which. Oh, yes. We're going to get a bit personal, Tom. Oh, God. Starting off, <sighs> going back years ago. Mm-hmm. What first got you into wrestling? What was it that made you think, right, that's got me written all over it? That's Okay, and it it kind of it will bleed into my first match. Okay. So, I remember one of my cousins lending my brother a WWF video because I am that old. It was a WWF VHS and it was the best of Hulk Hogan. Wow. And uh there was one match that I always remember on that video and it was Hulk Hogan versus the big boss man 
in a steel cage. Is this wrestling match number one? No, 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 no okay. not, not quite, but, okay. it, but it's going to get there. Um, and, and I don't know what it was about that match. I think it was like wrestling's always been at its best, like larger than life. And there was something about like Hulk Hogan in the in the late 80s when he was his as big as he's ever been. And you had the big boss man who was this angry policeman who was like a big size as well. And there was one spot in this match um, where Hulk Hogan threw the big boss man off the top of the cage and they both came crashing to the floor. And it just blew me away. Like I remember for years thinking about how dangerous that looked. Like, oh my, they, they nearly killed each other. And just the visual of that, for some reason, stayed with me. And, and I got watching the rest of the video. And then all of a sudden, we got Sky Television in our house. Because back in the day, that was... That, you can't, there can't be many people that had that, No, though. it was a big talking point. We're going to make you sound really old now. I am but very at the old. time, he is really old. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people had Sky back then, though. It was a big talking point in my school that I got it. You were the guy. I, that day, I was telling lots of kids in my class, getting Sky today. Mm -hmm. My dad's doing all right. <laughs> dad's been promoted. We're getting Sky. Uh, and we did. And because Sky had on Sky One, it had WWF. Um, I think it had Wrestling Challenge, which was the show on a Saturday morning. Right. And, um, and that was where I would get my fix of the wrestling. And then they started getting the pay-per-views. And, and, and there is something about grown men pretending to hit each other. They just walked beside me. And I was, like many my age, I was very captivated by Hulk Hogan, the character, the persona, the energy. And um, it brings me to my first match, okay. uh, which is WrestleMania six, And it's Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Right. The ultimate challenge. And it was what doesn't happen in wrestling very often which is when you've got, because Hulk Hogan was always the guy, you know, and obviously, you know, I in parenthesis, you know, to, to parenthesis it, you know, obviously things about Hulk Hogan have come out in years gone by and all that stuff, but I'm... We're talking back <clears> in the <throat> 1800s yeah. when you were... <laughs> Not the 1800s. Uh, a, wee, a wee nipper. I'm topping this up, by the way. Yeah, go on. In 65, 65. That's the future. When I was about? a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Um, yeah, but but like he was he was iconic, like long before, you know, we knew of... The sheets, clean or otherwise, and long of all that stuff. Um, Hulk Hogan was the guy, and he'd be the guy that would vanquish the bad guys, mm. you know. And you know, I you know, I remember being heartbroken when he got beaten up by Earthquake. And they so how did old this, were you at this point? Uh, I was six years old. I'm right. the same age as WrestleMania, which is always handy to remember. Always handy to remember. You so count the rings. So basically, you count the rings because wrestling. Um, so I know for a fact at WrestleMania six, I was six years old, uh, which is always handy to remember because I think as I get older and the, and the, the memory clouds, I can always just go, what year? And it's handy for going like for remembering what year, how old I was when something happened because I can go, oh, what were you doing in ninety nine? No, how old were you in ninety ninety nine? I go, what WrestleMania was that? WrestleMania fifteen. I was fifteen. <laughs> it's very handy for that. Um, but there was a great, I remember, it's, looking back on it, you kind of, the, the magic is lost somewhat because they did this thing when Hulk Hogan got beaten up by Earthquake and there's his best mate, Tugboat, on telly going, kids, Hogan needs you more than ever. You've got to send your good luck cards and your best wishes cards to Hulk Hogan. And people did. And then in the post, you get a WWF catalog and maybe a WF cassette. So you thought, oh, I'm sending messages to cheer up Hulk Hogan. Now nah, they're signing you up to a mailing list. <laughs> and genius genius <laughs> I can't, I'm not even mad I'm not even mad parents probably are but I'm not even mad um, so Hogan was always the guy that, va that vanquished and vanquished the bad guys 
But this was different because Ultimate Warrior was the new young good guy on the rise. And there was a bit at the Royal Rumble that year where Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, because everybody's piling into the match. And then at one point, the ring clears and like you've just got Hogan and Warrior and your heart's like, oh my God, they're both good guys. What's going to happen? And the crowd are going wild and oh my God. And, they, and then they have a little bit of a, a little bit of a to-do, but nothing too much because they know that's your main event when we get to the Sky Dome in Canada at WrestleMania 6. And um, and the, the build to that was like the ultimate challenge. It was Hulk Hogan, who had been the top guy forever, and the intercontinental champion, who was this guy on the rise who posed a threat to Hogan. And then the match went down. Now, the match itself, um, I watched uh, about a week later, rather than getting the pay-per-view. I remember watching it a week later. Uh, I don't know whether it was somebody recorded it off the pay-per-view. I definitely remember watching it soon after. Um, but the match itself wasn't like, you know, a five-star classic. It certainly wasn't. There's at least one match in my three that is, I think, a five-star classic. But this one wasn't. But the energy in the room, the energy in the dome that night, and the story that they told was amazing. And and my young, my older brother, Jim, watched it with me. Jim was an Ultimate Warrior fan. I was a Hulk Hogan fan. Spoilers. Ultimate Warrior won that night. And I cried. I cried. Because my hero had, had had failed. I cried. And I remember being so... Dev- and my brother was just in his pump about it because his guy won and I was just so devastated that, that Hogan had... He hadn't let me down. I just kind of felt like this is the end now. Of course, Hogan would go on to do things for another 100,000 years. But at that point, I was just like, oh, Hogan's done. It Like, wrestling weirdly does that to you. It's and, the and trauma that stays with you. The trauma. <laughs> the trauma always remains. But that, but that's why I think out of all the matches that I saw in my childhood, I think that one stays with me. Just because I remember being a young Hulkamaniac, brother, 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 and the raw emotion that came from watching it. And with my, you know, with my brother as well, who both my brothers are both sort of fleeted in and out of being wrestling fans, and they're not sort of, they're not really fans anymore. But they, you know, whenever we chat, they keep up with what's happening through me essentially. But yeah, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior for me is a match that just just lives right here, regardless of the uh, the real life antics of either gentleman. Mm. Let's. So when when you were growing up, though, was there anyone else in the house who was into wrestling, or was it just kind of your brothers you mentioned before were mm. kind of casual fans? But it was just my brothers. There's a few kids at school. Um, I seem to remember there was a kid in my class called Chris Walton, who I think was a wrestling fan as well. Uh, this Chris, is... if you watch him, hello, Chris. I haven't spoken to him in about three decades, but hello, sir. Um, I think Andrew Appleyard might have been a wrestling fan, possibly. There wasn't loads when I was in um, sort of primary school. I was going to high school because um, I had a little period as like a, a lapsed wrestling fan. Like there's a, there, you know, I think a lot of fans go through like a, a bit of a lapse where they sort of drift away from it. And that's why I like doing the classic Raw review with uh, with uh, Brad Atkins, with Bratkins, with Jack Atkins, Jackins, um, however you want to name him. <laughs> Uh, because we're currently sort of going back through a period that I didn't really pay much attention. Yeah. So it's nice, you know. Revisiting. Like, yeah, well, yeah, well yeah. it's revisiting and discovering, really, which is really nice. Um, but then when I came back the other side as a wrestling fan uh, and I was in high school, there were more people that I knew who were wrestling fans. But certainly in the early days, my older brother Jim 
very much a fan. Mike would have probably been maybe one or two, so I doubt anything. We'll, give, we'll, we'll let him off. We'll, we'll give him a, a pass. But I know Jim was was a fan, but I think I was probably the most hardcore of the fans. I remember, I just remembering this now, I remember going into primary school, having made myself from scratch WWF top trumps. Well, you're on. My own from scratch. So what I did was I cut up paper into squares and I drew little pictures of all the wrestlers and I gave them all stats. Um, and, uh, and, and I was a bit young and a bit naive. So I thought that ammo meant like, like how powerful they were in another way. So I remember uh, it might have been John Rowley picking up the Roddy Piper card and going, why is Ammo 50? What <laughs> weapons has he got? I was like, oh, I don't know. And I realized I'd made a fatal error in all of them because they all had ammo scores. None of them had any ammo. I guess he had bagpipes. Didn't um, <laughs> but I remember doing that. And, and I mean, don't ask me where they are. They're lost in the annals of time, these cards. We should find them. Oh, no, they're long. They're, they're, they really? they're on a landfill somewhere oh, and, they've, and they've been burnt down 400 times. They're probably, do you know what? They're probably an oak tree now. Bear in mind, I'm that old. They're probably an oak tree now. Um, they've, 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 they've reborn in their original purpose. Oh, they're poetic. It is, isn't it? Ooh. I like it. I like that somewhere there's a, there's a tree maybe near, maybe, maybe in Worcestershire, which, which is part a Ted DiBiase card. That would be my hope. So I made everybody. Like I poured my soul into it for about a week, making all these cards. I was always very arty. It's a good effort. Yeah, I was always very, I think I was always very, like as a kid I used to do, whenever we go out for a meal, I was pretty boring because I'd take paper with me. And pens. So if we'd all go out for a family meal and I was like seven or eight. 26. I, <laughs> maybe. Um, I'd, I'd sit there and draw cartoons and comic strips and stuff like that as well. And if it wasn't wrestlers, it was it was Sonic the Hedgehog. I was going to say Sonic was the other. Yeah, three three things in my life have walked beside me and it's radio, it's wrestling and it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, but yeah, so, when I wa- so even like when I was a wrestling fan, I was also... Uh, an avid player of my Sega Master System mm-hmm. and my Sega, later the Sega Mega Drive. But uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was the one. In terms of video games that I loved, like that was that was the one. And in, what's really, really nice is during lockdown, I was, you know, able to to put together this this podcast series about Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're still talking about him, so it's still yeah. very much there, isn't it? It's, and, you know, if, if you listen to the, that podcast, you can hear more about my, uh, my love of Sonic there. But... Um, but yeah, I, I, just to go back to your original question, so yeah, definitely my older brother, definitely a couple of kids in school, enough to play top trumps with, Yeah, I think, early with on. With your ammo. With the ammo. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> mm. When did wrestling, oh, sorry, not wrestling, radio come in? Because we know that obviously, you, as you said before, you got to This is lovely, gloves. by the way. I know, isn't it nice? I can't believe you're isn't here. It nice? Did you want to go into wrestling at all professionally, or was it just that you were a fan of? Because I know that radio, you sort of went down the route of professional mm. i had no interest in being a wrestler uh-huh. outside of you know wrestling with a wrestling buddy and reenacting moves when i was a kid diving off the sofa kind of yeah I, I remember breaking a bed doing a leg drop at one point the mystery of how that bed got broken hey mom and dad we will never know merry christmas merry christmas <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's how that bed Soon got broken well, they know now. that's how that bread got broken when i was eight uh, <laughs> um, but with with the wrestling, I had no desire to, to get into it like professionally. I know kids my age that did, and, and some that went on and, and did, and amazing. Radio, I was I was keen to do almost from the off. When was that? When did you realize that was what you wanted to? When I got bought a karaoke machine for my birth for Christmas. Was it a birthday? Might have been a birthday. 
I got bought a karaoke machine, either Christmas or a birthday. Because I did a bit of karaoke when I was a kid. I still did. do. Still do a little bit now. <laughs> um, I remember we had a holiday in France and there was a karaoke, there was like a karaoke thing set up. And I remember m- singing the Pension Boys Go West. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and it was an outdoor cafe. And I remember that, because I was, I gave it a good go and people were so drawn into this, this out of tune little kid singing <laughs> Pet Shop Boys Go West that people piled in, around the, uh, the That the, kid's going to go far. <laughs> Sign this kid up immediately. Um, so, and, and they gave me a big cheer when I finished, like, thank God he's done. <laughs> but then, pe- but then the, I remember the, the and I, I'm sure I remember this, the barman then came over and got everybody a round of free drinks. Because hey! people would come in off oi, the street oi. after hearing me and, me and maybe Compensation, Mike. Compensation, probably. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> please, please do. But I'd always had a bit of karaoke <laughs> stuff. I've, and I think I've said to you in the past, like, I've got the, the desire to sing. I don't have the skills to sing. You do, you I've do. I've got the want to, think, not the yeah, know-how you've got, to. You've got the... Um, What's the what's the I've got the passion for it? The I just passion. can't sing, yeah. and it sucks. You know, I feel I feel like I, oh, I could probably take lessons and stuff if I was so inclined. You could maybe if you wanted um, to. But what I ended up doing with this karaoke machine that I got bought from my mum and dad was I use it to record radio shows. You know, because then I would do all the links before the songs, and then I could put a because it was a karaoke machine. The way it was set up was you had a tape player on the left, mm-hmm. which you put your your song, your instrumental cassette in that came with, and then on the tech player on the right, you press record and play, and you could record both the mic output and what was playing. It was a very good setup. So therefore, I could do radio shows with it. Ah. So I did. And, um, but then I remember I would, I quite look, I quite like the idea of doing like overnight radio. So some nights I, before I go to bed and then I'd have the microphone and, uh, I'd be doing like, this is Tom on the night shift with you. And like playing softer songs and stuff. I remember doing all that. Some of them got taped, but I didn't tape all of them. And I think that shows where my, why I love doing it so much because some of them I didn't tape. I just wanted just to do it and present it. Um, you still to, have these tapes? No, nah, they're long gone. They're on the landfill as well. <laughs> so much. This so, landfill's so massive much. by this point. It's a massive landfill at this point. Um, yeah, they're, they're long gone. There's there's probably some tapes from like my community radio days that go back to like 2000 um, somewhere. Mm. If you look hard enough, there's bits of me on online somewhere. Um, I think anyway. Um, but radio was always something I was really passionate. I just I got quite intrigued by like the voice coming through the radio. My mum and dad had a portable TV player. And this is like back in the 90s. So it took like 18 batteries. <laughs> it's like a game gear. It took a bunch of batteries. You don't know how lucky you are right now, seriously. Oh, you have no idea. Back in my day. I can, I can, Where did you I batteries? Go, I go to bed at night and I can choose any radio station on the planet in any at any time frame. Or I can like <laughs> just go back in time and listen to old stuff as I go to sleep. Back then, I had to go with whoever was on BRMB at that time. And it was normally... Um, it was normally the love zone on BRMB, or if I had maybe Radio Two on, they were playing a few random bits. But mainly it was BRMB um, <laughs> ninety six point four FM BRMB. Um, but I used to go to, and they had this TV, but there was a radio function. And there's a few nights where I went to bed with it under my pillow with headphones plugged in. And like and the headphones aren't as comfy as they are now. Like mm-hmm. they're like horrible, like wire frame ones. I'd wake up and there'd be like a mark on my face and where they'd been. And I remember, and the, my, my strongest memory of that is one night having them on and going to sleep 
and hearing a song that, that went into my head, into my dream. So I could hear the song in my dream. And I woke up the next day and I was like, oh my gosh, that was a really nice song. I really like it. What song was it? I didn't know. Oh. And there was, and back in, I, there was no way of knowing. There was no way of knowing. Like, I didn't think there to There was no, that was, this is. I didn't think to, or if there was, I was half asleep and didn't hear it. And it was a chance, it was like a, a chance listen, like about eight months later, when I had the radio station on and they played it. And I heard it. And then I heard, and I waited until they back announced it. And, and there's no significance to this song to, to me or thee or to anybody. But the song is Words Don't Come Easy by F.R. David. And, and uh, since then, it's been on pretty much every playlist I've ever had. Oh, right. Just because there's like this, and it's, you know, you, you, we, we laugh about my music taste at home. Like it's, it's basically 80s nostalgia. Yeah. It's just ducktails over thing. and over and over again. That's all it is. I say that, say that. The, this morning, um, as I was coming in, um, I had like my, my Spotify playlist on. Just I think it was just maybe yesterday that the Wrapped thing came out just for time con content. So Wrapped came out. And uh, I put my, my Discover playlist on, and uh, the raccoons run with us came on it. Run with us. <laughs> so this, nice. is a, this is a playlist that's catered to me. <laughs> so they they know. And I think at that point, as I walked in this morning, I thought a year, and I thought, yeah, Alex has she's a good not, point. She's normally. not wrong. But yeah. So but but since then, I've just been always drawn to radio. I've yeah. just been fascinated by by the medium. I really like. There's something about that closeness of having somebody on the other side of it and then as i discovered it more it was the, the the potential for creativity that comes from not having to worry about like the visuals of something you you're just, not limited you're by not, pictures oh gosh the sky's the limit with audio it really the is theater of the mind, theater of the mind. Mm. kenny everett was always a radio hero of mine for that very reason yeah, i was gonna say who are your heroes in, in radio who do you must aspire to kenny everett has, has always been a guy that is just was beat was a it's such a cliche but he was ahead of his time. Yeah. He so was. If Kenny Everett had access to Adobe Audition. Could you imagine? Oh my, he'd be unstoppable. If you don't know who Kenny Everett is, oh, Google look, it. Look him up. He did a he did a radio series called Captain Kremen of the Star Corps. Captain Kremen of the Star Corps. And it was a radio sci-fi series. He did all the voices, he did all the sound effects, and he layered it using reel-to-reel -reel tape recordings. Tip cuts it. Oh. Yeah. There's no sort of technology no. that we have. Like now it was all. You, you just you listen back and like he used to do things in reverse and then play it forward so it was out going out in real time and yeah. he used to yeah he, he's, he's, he's one of mine as well just he's just amazing incredible. just just a real gift for the art form um other heroes um i think i think you know and he's quite a divisive character but i think chris moyles deserves some credit because chris moyles is somebody that um later on changed the game and i know people don't there's a there's, you know it's it's people. Some a lot of people don't like what he does, and I totally get why. It's it's for you or it's not. But he came along at a time where Radio One was changing shape, and he had just enough. He was very different, and he made you listen in. And you know, and, and whether or not he, you know, a lot of people argue that he became too self-serving, and there's an element of that, absolutely. But you know what? You're not going to hit a home run every time. But I think he's a very important figure in radio. I think Chris Evans is excellent. Yeah. Chris Evans is somebody that um, I had the pleasure to to sit in on you a show You sat in with. one of his shows, didn't I you? I did indeed. I did indeed. How did that come about? So um, I went to London for a week, and this this was during the, the height of Vine. <laughs> Do you remember that? Remember Vine? It was TikTok before TikTok. TikTok before TikTok. And I made We just sound really old in this it's now. So don't old. We? This is gonna be depressing. But I remember I um 
I, I made some friends through Vine, and one of them was a, a lady called Jane Sharp, mm. who uh, I, I arranged to meet up with when I went down to London for that week. So I, just, I went down with no plans. Uh, it was just after a breakup, actually. I just went, I'm just going to disappear to London for a week. I'm just going to go and see some people. And um, and Jane Sharp said, oh, I'm going to come meet you from the train station. We're going to go for a drink. I was like, oh, that's a lovely idea. So we did. And um, I think, and then we chatted a bit during the week. And I remember her sending me a message saying, I've organized a day out for you. And it was to go and see Chris Evans and to sit in on his show on Radio 2. This blew your mind? It blew my mind. And... I sat there and it was it was a it was a Friday, so it was like a guest show, and there was Chris Evans in there, there was Robbie Williams, there was David Jason, and there was James Blunt. And I was just sat there watching Chris Evans work his magic and like how the show came together. It was the best present. The best present. I think I've always like I always take great I'm always very grateful for people I've got around me. Cause um like like no one like she didn't need to do that. I you know, didn't need to do that. But she knew that I was a fan of, of, of what Chris Evans did and made that happen. And she knew you were gonna appreciate it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and every year, like the anniversary of it comes around, and I'll always send her a message and I'll just say, I always really appreciate you doing that for me. You know, she's she's you know, she's got a, a wonderful full life now. And, you know, if I can if I can just, just break her away from a day just to go, I appreciated what you did for me all those years ago. Um, I'm always glad to. Always pay things forward. Cause I think it was something it was after that where I think I've always tried to be a good person, but I've always gone, you know what, if you can make somebody's day better with no gain to yourself, that's a really wonderful position to come from. Like that's a special kind of power that you can do that. And with no, with, with nothing for you in return, you can just go, I can just do something nice for you. Something I've always really been keen to live by. You remember, I remember you saying to me before that you see it as topping up your good karma. It's how you always reference it. But I think you It are... sounds quite self-serving, and I've realised that in years gone by, but I, it's just how I've always been. But you're kind, though, you know, and I'm not going to blow smoke up your what's-its, but, but you are. You are the kindest person that I know. Oh, bless you. And I'm you. not just saying that. You know, you are. You are genuinely. I think there's a lot of people that have watched this going like, mm. he can't be that nice all the time. There's got to be some dark secrets there. But I'm genuinely... a one guy. Not long after I started Cultaholic, there was one guy who messaged me. And he said, uh, you seem all right, but I'm not sure about you. So I'm going to go and check with a few people, a few of our mutual friends and see before I invest. <laughs> right. Um, okay. And, and, and like, yeah, they all say you're good. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say to that, but it's that's weirdly stayed with me. Like the guy's all right, that just line really stayed with me. Really strange, but it's nice. I, um, if I can leave this planet and have enough people who think well of me, I think that's a time well served, isn't it? I think you've done all right so far. That's all I want in it. That's all. That's all anybody wants is just, you know, we we all we all have people. I know you and I have people that when. <laughs> when then they walk into a room or when they're we won't say names obviously when they walk into a room mm. or when their name flashes up you go oh. no, no. I'm, ki I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm Ooh, kidding I'm kidding no no shots fired no 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 Matthew Gregg's oh, he's um, for those listening awesome. on, awesome. on the podcast um, Alex just held up the Matthew <laughs> Gregg mask that I am she joking. walked in with I love you I do I love you he's awesome Matthew Gregg is somebody as you hold him up there that is I, I am in awe of the fact that we became as close of friends as we well, have Because originally, come. this relationship... Oh, God, awful. Awful. Because initially, 
I think you spoke about this on, on his Desert Island graph. Yes. You? So we won't we won't talk about it here too much. But yeah, we had a we had a big old falling out, and it was all me. And like, yeah, it, it was a falling out that was very one sided. Yeah. So here you go. If, you, if, <laughs> if you're somebody that wants the concrete proof that maybe Tom isn't 100 percent sweetness, kindness, and saccharine, then listen to the Matt's Desert Island graphs, and you'll see. But you know what? Like, how wonderful a world that we live in. How how, univo- how wonderful to land in the universe. For me personally, I think how wonderful to land in the, in the version of the multiverse where Matthew and I are best friends. Yeah. Like, one of, he's one of my closest friends. He's there's, a good there's, there's others, but Matthew certainly. Um, sorry, we wandered off from Radio Heroes, didn't we? We did, but on Les that Ross, note, BRMB. <laughs> um, we're going to put a pin in that just for the second because I'm going to ask you for your second Ooh, okay. match of choice. Look at you getting back on track. Well, I'm trying to. Try my best to, Don't know what to, I'm doing. to shuffle you away. Don't know what I'm We've doing. only been going like half an hour. I've got loads of time. Okay. Um, Second match. Okay, so we had a a classic from the 90s with Hogan and Warrior, uh, bringing it screeching forward uh, a couple of years ago, uh, NXT TakeOver Cardiff, which I believe was 2019. It was before the World Court fire, that's for sure. NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff, and it's Tyler Bate versus the NXT UK champion, Volta. The, the UK brand of NXT... It's a weird one because nowadays there is an element of it with a lot of um, correspondence and <coughs> wrestling fans that it's a bit of a punchline. And, and I hate that because actually week to week NXT UK puts out some incredible wrestling. You know, it's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not, a, it's not a perfect product, but then nothing is. It's fine. It's what it is. But... There was something special about the takeovers that they do, these these network specials that they do, whereby they only have maybe like four or five matches on. But God, they're all great. Mm. Oh my God, they're all great. Like the I mean, Takeover Blackpool, in fact, talking about this, I'm probably gonna go home and watch it tonight. Takeover Blackpool, which opened with Mustache Mountain. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus... Your uh, stunt double. My, stunt, my, my other stunt double, the one that isn't Joe Gacy, <laughs> uh, versus uh, Zach Gibson and um, uh, and Drake. Um, oh, I feel terrible. James Drake, sorry. That fell out my head sorry, nearly. James Drake. Sorry, Grizzled Young Veterans. They just... Oh, they put on a belter. Oh, my God, it's amazing. But to move it forward to Cardiff, we had the four-way ladder match earlier in the night that just blew my mind. It was amazing. We had Ilya Dragunov... Uh, with an open challenge answered by Cesaro. Gee, shoot that into my veins. That's amazing. But then that main event between Volta and Tyler Bate. Volta, this dominant champion of Europe, like soft-spoken, aggressive, just the perfect guy to have Such on Such a contradiction, top. isn't it? Like yeah. Between the two. And then Tyler Bate, he was this sort of fun-loving guy from the West Midlands, same as me. He's a bit of a West Midlander like me. And uh, and to to have this, and they'd had a banger at Progress Wrestling not long before this, and the argument being like on the Indies, like the, on the indie circuit, they can go, and there's a little bit of a a pullback uh, when it comes to NXT UK. That's the general vibe because it's presented in a different way and it's done to a different standard and a different style. But they went for it. Oh my god! And 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 it was a very different match. It was more of a sports entertainment style match, but it was about forty five minutes long, and I watched it live, and I was just 
on you know, when when the match starts and you're like, I'm not too worried about who wins. I'm just looking forward to seeing the match. I'd like Tyler Bates to win to the point where you're in the final minutes of this match and you're just willing Tyler Bate on. Wrestling is so good when at the age that I'm at now in my 30s, I can still have those moments that I had when I was six and I can still just get completely sucked into the moment. I dread the day where I don't watch wrestling for uh, for a month-long period and I don't have a moment like that. Not every moment does that for me. You know, we complain enough about some of the stuff that WWE and AEW put out on the regular, but there's always something that will just have me have get me here. And I dread the time comes when nothing gets me here, when I become as cold inside as some of the people I see on Twitter. <laughs> I dread that. I dread that. I would rather be considered uncool by those people that are too cool for school than than to not have that. Feel nothing. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And and that match made me really got me. And it was a combination of things. It was Tyler Bate and Volta putting on a putting on a banger. And and Volta's a great performer. He knows what he does and he does it so well. Tyler Bate is excellent. And I'm thank you very much. Um Alex is pouring me uh, another glass of Prosecco, if you wonder what's happening on the podcast. Um, and uh, I, and Tyler Bay, I think, could could be so much higher. And I hope that in years to come he is, because he's still only in his 20s. Yeah, he's like, a band, isn't he? He's really? a band. He's got all the time in the world. So they had a banger, and they'd have a banger in an empty room. But then you've got the crowd. And you'll yeah. appreciate this, because it's Takeover Cardiff. It's a Welsh crowd. Oh, yeah. The Welsh are, are a special, special group of people. They're a special type of folk aren't they and it's the difference in the crowd and there is something that almost brings a tear to your eye about the change of the crowd because they're not chanting fight forever during this match i mean they, maybe they do once but they're not chanting fight forever by the end they're going oh don't take me home oh don't take me home which is a welsh rugby thing i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and you've got Volta and Tyler Bate just, just knocking strips out of each other. Oh, don't take me <laughs> home. Oh. And, and again, and, and, and wrestling is great when it gets you, mm-hmm. when it absolutely gets you. And the final, like the 45 minutes of the match, I think every step of it is just pitch perfect. But the final 40 seconds of this match is what really completely clinches it for me. How wrestling can p- pull you up and then snatch it away so masterfully you know how when somebody hosts like i've done it when you've watched me doing it north wrestling a few times where um you do that thing with the hand and you go Ooh, bring the hand down everyone stops Ooh. i've done that before and it's like masterful when you can do that when you've got the love and the trust and you can do that and they did that in this match because late into the game the bottom of the ninth volta hits this power bomb on tyler bait and stacks him up for a pin ref goes one and tyler bait bursts out at a one count. By this point, they're doing like 2.999 recurring. And then suddenly it's a one count. And the crowd just lose their minds as Tyler Bate just pops right up, stands up. Volta is like getting to his feet looking horrified. Cardiff losing their minds. And they're going, na 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 Tyler, Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate, Tyler, Tyler Bate. As they're, as they're getting into the second part of that song, the second na 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 Volta's bounced off the ropes. He's hit a flipping lariat. Pinned him. One, two, three. Oh, you na 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 Oh! Air sucked out the room. Oh! <laughs> so good! Yeah. So awful, but so good! I was like, oh! You got me. 
And look, this is this isn't me just playing it up. He legit this, has goosebumps. This you can't is me see this, but loving he does. what I do and what yeah. I watch. And it's great when it gets you like that. So for the longest of times, and people have said, when are you doing your Desert Island Grips? When are you doing your Desert Island Grips? When are you doing your Desert Island Grips? <laughs> when Alex um, remembers that she's doing it. No, 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 no. Well, you're just, <laughs> well uh, first of all, I, first of all, True story, true story. When Adam said you're doing your design graphs, I ain't telling you who's doing it, mm-hmm. right? Sorry, Chris Van Vliet, I thought it'd be you. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I, Chris I Van Vliet. I apologize to everybody for no, that. Don't. I'm this so sorry that you've got this me. Is better. Sorry, Chris, but it is. Chris, I promise when you come to the UK, we will go fishing. Me and Chris have a promise. We're going to go fishing together when he comes to the UK. I thought it'd be Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> but then sorry. I'm, no, but then it kind of, then obviously the world's been in pieces, so... I presume you couldn't. What's make nice is we can do this. I presume you couldn't make it. We can do this not socially distanced, which is quite nice because we live together. Well, thankfully, yeah, because we because so you know with with things coming in, uh, as we've heard, like we you know, and the nice thing about them them changing regulations before Christmas is that we've got enough time to get stuff together before all that happens. So that's handy. Um, but yeah, I mean. I, what was I saying? <laughs> you were talking about your second match and yeah, saw how it, the, the, the energy in the air was sucked out. The energy it still came got out. You. Yeah, and it just got yeah. me. It just absolutely got me. And and I and for as long as and when people have been asking me, that was it. People have been asking for a long time, when are you doing your design grabs, what will your three matches be? A few times people will call into like Love You by Friday and go, Oh, what are your three matches? And I go, oh, I changed them a lot. But this one, I always knew that when my time came to do this show. Well, as soon as I watched that match, I went, this is, you know, this is amazing. But when, when I started, when this, the ball started rolling on this show, I went, this is going to be one of those matches. Unless something blows my mind in years to come, this is definitely going to be one of those matches. It sounds like for, for you, it's, it's all about its heart overhead, as it, as it were. Because mm. it's that emotionalness. I mean, have, you, have your thoughts on wrestling and your attitudes towards wrestling changed? Because you were talking about when you were six mm. and how it emotionally got you. And you mentioned Walter and, and Tyler Bates and how that emotionally got you. Has your view on wrestling changed at all? Um, I think it has. Um, but, I, but not in a negative way. I think that when you do this job, you, you know, you, you see all of it. You, mm-hmm. And you, your job is to know all things. So when I was six years old, it was just whatever happens on a Saturday morning. I just drink it in, have a lovely time, and then, you know, probably eat ricicles and, and go and race my brother on his police car. Living the dream. Living the dream. Or go and sit and play Sonic and try and figure out how to, you know, get past that bit in Carnival Night Zone where the platform moves up and down. Turns out you have to press up and down just in case you're stuck on it. Um, but the I, I kind of... With, when you do this job, I think they warn you. And I, I've heard Ross say it in videos before, and I've heard other people say it in videos before. They say that it ruins your enjoyment of wrestling. To an extent, it does. But also, I think it means that when those moments like Tyler Bate and Volta come along, I think they mean more. Mm. Because you drink it in all day long. But then when something comes along that just rocks your world, I think it means more. I think it does because, you know, it's like, um, you know, Penn and Teller do that show Fool Us where the whole thing is you have to go and do a trick that they can't figure out. And I bet that whilst, you know, they lose, you know, they, they, they lose the game if they do a trick that they can't, if the person does a trick where they can't figure it out. But I bet they love that too, mm. where even years and years into the amazing work they've been doing, they are fooled. And they go, oh, I want to know how you do that. And I think that 
I, I, I see it in a different way to when I was a kid. But I think, if anything, it makes me appreciate it more. Especially now with this show where I get, to, I get the honor of talking to so many wonderful people who do it for a living and hearing, hearing them. And that's why I like the whole thing of picking three matches because I get to hear wrestlers talk about matches that they love and you hear that passion come through again. I'd like to think that in some ways the show has been helpful for people because it can remind them of, as well as it being a bit of a therapy thing as it's become, it can remind them of why they love wrestling because they can, because when you hear them talk about a match that they love, if they're not, you know, there's, there's been a few occasions where like we've, I've interviewed people and they've not been massively invested in the idea of the interview, but they're doing it anyway. But when they talk about a match that is special to them, you, they kind of, they come alive. It's that whole thing like they know where they were. Mm. They remember how they felt. And I think that's what I've noticed anyway from the, the episodes that you've, you've done. It's been mm. very, very personal because there'll be memories attached to something. Yeah. Which in this case was the matches. I want to go back to the radio bit. Okay. Just for a, a split second because obviously this became your career. So before you got to Cultaholic and before you did what you did now, mm -hmm. you were the radio guy. I was the radio guy. Talk me through the process from as a kid under the duvet with a late night with Tom. <laughs> How did it get from there? to going into a full-blown full, full blown career in, in commercial radio? Because it's not what your family do. No, no, no not at all. And, but, you know, the, the ongoing joke with my dad is when you're going to get adopted. a proper job. Oh, sorry. No, no, I mean, I mean, I mean there was that <laughs> when I joined a radio station in Wolverhampton, my dad being a West Bromwich Albion fan. Mm -mm. Um, uh, all the best with the new job. Uh, you, you're out of the will. Okay. <laughs> I'm back in now because I'm not living in Wolves anymore. Um, so I've, I'm from the era where I did community radio. I found... Um, a community radio station based in Worcester called Youthcom Radio. Shout to Youthcom Radio. Um, and that was where I started out doing radio shows. They just kind of let you loose with an hour a week. And they were all awful, probably. <laughs> and no doubt broke many Ofcom guidelines. But that was kind of where I got an idea of what radio was like. Um, and it's funny because I did what I see a lot of people do now where they're trying to find their feet in in radio or in broadcast or on youtube and i just reached out to people i really liked and asked if i could interview them and i remember doing youthcom radio and interviewing like wrestling people that i liked so like there was no like local no connection to worcester other than a boy from worcester did it and um one of the first people i remember the so i was doing that and i remember some of the people i interviewed and that was where I, that was kind of pretty early, very early sort of pilots of Desert Island Graps in a way. Um, there used to be a YouTuber called Brookers. She's not a thing anymore, I don't think. I'm sure Brooke Brodak is having a lovely time, but she was a big thing in YouTube back in like 2006, 2007. And she agreed to do an interview with me one night. She was one of the first people. Um, and then William R. Washington was another one. And William R. Washington now works for Fightful. And uh, and and I love seeing Will pop up on Twitter because Will is just one of the best people. And um, he's based over in the States. And um, I was fascinated by his by what he did, because as I was sort of finding my way doing this community radio show, I was doing like I was working at HMV. I did a bit of work for my dad. And, and this is kind of as the, the iPods coming out. And my first um, 
Well, I'm jumping the gun a bit, so I'll get to that in a bit. But um, but certainly I knew, but there, William R. Washington was one. There was a chap called Brian Waterman who used to do a show called Waterman. It was like an animated series around the same time as Homestar Runner. Um, and who else did I interview? Ardy Reynolds from WrestleCrap. Like, again, just a, just a, and it was just the, the, the fact that I could be in the room with these people. Um, Chris Conroy from Technical Difficulties. And Chris Conroy, big shout out to Tech Diff. I want to give some love to Tech Diff because, God, he deserves it. He's a guy that's doing a series which, which feels very much like kind of the thing that Kenny Everett would do. Kind of the thing like The Goon Show, kind of like that sort of style. And he's plugging away at it all the time. And he was somebody that I collaborated with on this youth comp show. Again, because I just reached out and went, I like you. Can, I, can you want to come on my radio show? That's how I talked. And, um, and what's lovely is I'm seeing a lot of younger YouTube guys who are going around it the same way as I am. And what I say to you is just keep persevering. Shy Bane's getting out. Shy Bane's getting out. The worst thing that will happen if you reach out to people to, do, to ask if they'll do an interview with you, the worst thing that will happen is they'll say no. Mm. That is the worst thing that will happen. It's no harm. I don't do them very often. So if I say no. Except he's going to say no. Except I, I might <laughs> say no. Don't be offended. It's nothing personal. Not personal. I'm just doing this. He's got, <laughs> he's got three jobs on the go. It's, yeah. <laughs> Means this gets all the hits. Um, but... So I was doing that as a community radio, but then I, so I was doing that at the same time I was kind of discovering about how to put together a proper radio show. And then I just, then, and then once I did that, I was putting together, I was sending, this is how old I am, I was sending cassettes. I was sending cassettes. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a few radio stations that brought me in for a chat and nothing really came of it. Um, and I remember it was... I'd, how did I get in touch? That was it. I think I'd found my old boss's email address on radio on the Radio Today jobs page or something. They were, for, and I hadn't. I mean, that's a good bit of advice, actually. If um, if you're looking for a radio job, don't necessarily just look at the jobs page. Sometimes Radio Today sort of has like all the information of what's happening in the world of radio all yeah. over. Whether it's new stations being bought, someone losing their job, someone working somewhere else. Mm, that's a good one to have. Behind the scenes, in front of the mic, all sorts. But don't be afraid to send an email on spec, which is what I did with Pete Wagstaff, who ran a small radio group in the West Midlands. And I sent him my, my youth comm demo with a few, like, sort of what I perceived to be radio-esque links to them that were short and snappy. And he brought me in for a chat. And um, he, he gave me some feedback. I came into the studio and I did a demo in his studio in Kidderminster. It's now a KFC. Nice. I know. And um, I did this demo and he gave me some feedback on it. And he's, and so then I said, I emailed him back. I was sat on the train on the way home after he emailed me while I'm on the train. And uh, I, I said, thank you very much for the feedback. When can I come back in and do something else? And he sent me back an email and I vaguely remember it. And it was like, listen, kid, if you want to, you know, if you know, if you want an opportunity in this radio, sometimes you've just got to take whatever comes your way. You know, you've got to be passionate and caring about it, and you've just got to really do it. And then he went, "I have a job. The pay isn't great, mm. but it's a foot in the door for you." And I think if I hadn't emailed and gone, "When can I come back?" I think that must. I think knowing Pete, that was probably a bit of an acid test to see if, if I was keen. Mm. So as soon as I went back, he went, "You know what? Let's get him in." And it was reading travel. It was just reading the travel bulletins, and. I did that for a month, but I go in early and I leave late because I do. I go in early. 
I do a little bit of tinkering in the studio and like trying to work the play out system and stuff like that. I do the travel bulletins and then I stay late and record bits. So every week I was sending him new demos and he was going more of that, less of that, stop shouting, da da da, da da da, pull back, push there. And I always remember, it's coming to like the end of the week, one week. I've been doing it for about a month. And I remember Pete Wagstaff. He was, he's, he's such a character. I love Pete Wagstaff. Some days he'd come in and he'd burst into the room. He'd throw a pretend grenade and then he'd leave. Like he was one of them. He was just a character. And he said to me as he burst through the door, he said, if I give you a show, will you stop emailing me? I said, yes, I will. Fine. Bank Holiday Monday, 6 till 12, you're on. Get in. Thank you very much. So I did. And I did Bank Holiday Monday, uh, 6 till 12, 6 a.m. till 12 p.m. My dad dropped me off. Bless him. My plan was to stay in a hotel the night before and I'd booked it and everything. Because again, like I'll, I've always been in the mindset of I don't want to inconvenience anybody. This is my dream and I, I don't drive. I've never driven. Still doesn't. Still don't. Um, and I, but I, but I want to make this happen and I, can't, and I don't want to put anybody out. So I booked a hotel for the night before and I paid like, and I, I'd, I hadn't paid for it, but I'd, you know, I was going to pay on the day for it. And it was probably going to mean that majority of the money that I got from this thing was going to pay for the hotel. But I was like, I don't care. This is in this. I'm in, I'm in. And then, so then my dad had known I did this and he went, cancel that. I'll drop you off in the morning. So he did. He got up dead early and drove me to Kidderminster. And like, dad's always been good. Like mom and dad have always been really like, they've been great. They really have like, cause what I do is so different to what everybody in my family does. But they've just always had my back. And I'm very grateful for that. You got tears, you're happy. <laughs> it's not their world, but they've always had my back with stuff. I always remember. You all right? Yeah. They're still here, they're great. Um <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. Some on Christmas, I'm not seeing them. Um to jump forward a little bit whilst I'm in the, the emotional zone. I years later I was up for a radio award. It was like it was it was not like a major award, but it was to me because it was the group I was in was UTV. And it was um like radio presenter of the year. And the station that I was at hadn't performed that well. It never really did. And Dickie, I love you. Dickie Dodd, I love you. But you'll know, like, we struggled all the time. But they taken, like, a special... Um, they'd taken special acceptance to the fact that whilst this station hadn't performed well, this guy's so good. And and that's not me picking myself up. This but is you, But you what do, was said. you're passionate and you care about it, you know? Yeah. You'll throw everything at it. And they're like, it's, okay, it doesn't fit the criteria, but I know Dickie Dodd went to bat for me a lot for that. He was my boss at the station in Wolverhampton. Love you, Dickie. Love you, Dickie. He went to bat for me a lot on that, and they agreed, and they went, yeah. So I was up for this award, this Presenter of the Year award, and it was me and four of the people. Um, it was won by a, a, a beautiful man called Danny Milo. And Danny Milo's still making amazing radio for, for, for Yorkshire. He's so good. He's so good. And there was part of me where I was just sad. And I messaged my mum and dad at this do, and I said I hadn't won. And then I remember my dad just... My dad sent me a message. 
who he said top four in the country we're so proud of you game on <laughs> top four in the country so proud of you game on they have to go right we've got yeah let's go again mm. I don't know why that stays with me but it does it just does. I think that whole experience of being up for that. I don't. I've never won awards. I've never, and that's fine. But so many people in that picture, from my mum and dad, who supported me through it, through my bosses, through friends and family, all went to bat for me and went, "Look, he's good." Mm. And I'm always really grateful for that. Did you think you were good at that time? I tried to be. I tried to think that way. I tried to think that way. I don't think I ever really have thought that way. Why? And I think... That's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> it's a very right question. I just... I see a lot of people who have more about them that I perceive them to have more about them than I do and so I just go I don't belong here I think it's always been a case of feeling like uh, and there's something quite there's a there's a there's a quiet pride with bless you there's a quiet pride with being so feeling like the rebel, like the, you know, the, the one that's raging inside a, a machine. But then other people around you um, seem more qualified, seem more together. And you think, okay, I wish I was a bit more like that. But is that your perception? It's all my perception. I was going to say, because people watching this going like, the fact that Tom thinks he's not bringing as much as other people that go, oh, good God. Like, what does someone yeah. have to bring? <laughs> yeah, you know, know right. like... I know, right. But I think that's why I work as hard as I do. Um, because I'm always of the belief that... that Because that, I think in radio, and you'll know this from being from being in radio for so long... There's that whole idea of there is a hundred people behind you. Just waiting to fill waiting that Waiting to do what you do if you don't do it right now. And, and I've, the, the weird thing I've realized in the last few months, only in the last few months, I'm nearly 40. In the last few months I've realized this. No, there's not. No. No, no, there's not. You know, not to the level that I do it. Um, I've had a bit of a turning point in the last few months especially where i'm i'm being kinder to myself and and i'm proud of that process um but for the longest of times i've always felt like i'm somebody that's pushing and pushing and pushing but never quite good enough and and there's a lot of people that feel the same way um and and radio is one of those things that it's, you know, it's, I come away from things and think, I wish I could have been more. And radio's one of those as well. Like, I, like um, and it's daft because I look at the amazing body of work I've done. I've gone, geez, I went long beyond my expectations. I, I, I went further than I ever thought I would. Like, you know, I got offered a, a, you know, to go back to it from that one bank holiday Monday show. I ended up getting offered a weekend show and then get offered... Uh, my own breakfast show in Shrewsbury, and that was a that was a big move into itself. I 
because um, it was five days a week and the money wasn't great. wasn't enough to really put money down on renting an apartment or anything like that. So I found a bed and breakfast in Shrewsbury that had a tiny box room at the top that they could never, they could never get rid of. Nobody ever wanted to stay there because it was too small. So they said, 15 quid a night and it's yours. So I went, I'll have that. That'll do. Thank you. It's just down the road from the studio. Happy days. Um, so to do, and, and I think again, like it's weird because I kind of say, uh, you know, could I have pushed harder? And I think, well, geez, I don't know many people that would have done that. I don't know many people that would have done that. Um, but to go from that to being picked up and doing a, a, a breakfast show in Wolverhampton and across the West Midlands, which is an amazing experience. Um, the Dickie Dodd gave me so big love to Dickie Dodd once again. Um, to then leaving there and working for Heart, and and that blew my mind because that's the whole reason that we met at all. Yeah, is yeah. is because um, I read your news. You read my news on Heart when I when I got off of the job at Heart in 2015. Lived up, never knew, didn't know anybody in the northeast. Got offered a, a radio job doing drive time and uh, for Heart, which is which you know for American. For American view, it's kind of like um, it's in terms of like heart and capital. They're kind of like Z100 type. Owned by the same people. Owned by the same people, but they're like dominating the landscape. So to do a regional show for them leads to bigger possibility in theory. Um, and that was how we met. It was. Um, we, should we get into that? If you want to, I'm trying, to think uh, if I, I'm trying to think if I've missed any any keystrokes on the way. I think just for me, I was going to ask you just before we get into we the get whole into heart thing and how how we sort of became a thing. You were talking about your mum and dad, and mm. I know that um, a peek behind the curtain. Your your dad works for um, electrical wholesaler. Mm. They all work together. It's very much a family business. It's a, it's a proper business, but it just happens that they yeah. they all work together. Yeah, they've all they've all got there on their own merit. Was there ever a point where you thought I should be doing that? Or was it ever a conversation that you had where they went? Because the radio world wasn't something that they were used to. What, was, what, did, what did the family make of you deciding that this is what I was going to do? I'm going to go and stay in a £15 mm. a night room. I'm going to do one show on a on a bank holiday <laughs> and spend all my money. Was your dad sort of thinking? Well, they, they, well that was where the, the joke comes from with me and my dad, where it's like, go get a proper job. And and, and that's kind of... But then when my dad realised, like, I think when I moved to... Newcastle, that was because uh, to, to, I've been offered a job at heart. I think that's where they kind of went, wow. Like, because they came up, didn't they? They, they, they came, came up, up and they got to see where I lived and they saw the studio. And my dad was just like, wow, this is you've amazed us. That's amazing. Like, there wasn't when I say that, they there was they they always backed me, like, they never for a second like questioned what I was doing. They always they my dad, my mum and dad were always they're always and as every good parent should be, there's always like, are you aware that the window is that small? And and that's the deep honesty, the deep sad honesty of of doing what we do. They believe even less now. Oh God, the window's that's, even smaller now. Which and, you don't want to admit. But and it I is. hate saying that when I know there'll be people watching this yeah. who are starting out on their radio journey. But you know what? Whilst the the traditional radio window is that small. It's still worth it. It's in terms, <laughs> but because because it's not so much about a radio window anymore. It's about broadcast and, and presentation. And geez, like there wasn't the, like nowadays you don't even need a radio station. The amount of platforms you've got now access no. to and technology in your hand, like yes. literally in your phone. It's like, amazing. It's like, that's yeah. it. And, and if you've got something to say and you do it in the right way, then you'll be fine. Um, but obviously, when I was moving through the ranks, 
that was what there was. Podcasting was an idea. It was a thing that some sort of, some nerds did. But like, especially after the, the last 18 months we've had, like everybody's doing podcasts Nothing else now. to bloody do. There's nothing else to do. But <laughs> start a podcast about what you had for dinner. Like there's, and, and But then that in itself presents a problem because then if you're starting a podcast, like the windows are small, yeah. it's about coming up with a unique idea. Ta-da, here it is. <laughs> Desert Learning Grips. Um, but they always, yeah, they, it was it was a world they didn't know. So my dad even, you know, I remember my mum and dad even saying, like, we can only help you to a certain extent because it's a world that we don't know. So you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, we'll we'll do everything we need. You know, if you need anything, we're only a phone call away. And they say that even now. If you ever need anything, we're only a phone yeah, call away. Yeah, they're great. You know, they're great. They, and it's living so far away. It's because, like, like, they all, like, my whole family are from the West Midlands and then and they're all within 10 minutes of each other and so they might as well be on the moon yeah so I feel like I'm I feel like I'm the moon child <laughs> it's easier to get to Scotland than it is to get home at the moment uh, and especially during 2020 when it was not impossible to get home yeah. um but then yeah so they, they they never it was not I'm proud to show them the world that I have I'm very I'm so proud to, to say hey look I did all right and they're proud of you yeah I yeah. get that, and I'm I'm very and I'm and I'm oh, I'm I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I really am. Like when your worst day is like, oh, this video didn't, the audio didn't come out right in this video. That's a bad day. Like seriously, you know. And and it's it's difficult sometimes when you're in the in the mire of it when you've got like thirty different jobs to do before two o'clock and you're rushing around. It's easy to lose sight and just go. And my dad always says this. He says never kind of you know stop and always take time to stop and take stock of where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. You know, because I quite often post pictures of like my walk when I go walking around Newcastle, my walking to work and like the, the bridges and stuff. And he says like never take now always take time to stop and look around you and just go wow. This is what I do. This is where I live, you know. And I and I, I think that I spent five years working at Heart, and the one th- I came away from there believing that I took I drank every day in, and I'm really proud of that. And I think that comes back to that lack of self belief in a weird way, because when you feel like any moment now someone's going to suss you out and go, okay, we're going to get uh, a, a proper um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I remember I managed to get after there was the radio station I was BRMB. BRMB was always the station I dreamed to work on. I never got a chance to. They're no longer there anymore. But it brought so the one that's a KFC. No, no, no. That's the wire in Kidderminster. Right, 107.2 the wire. Uh, and I also worked on 107.4 Telford FM, 106.5 the seven, and 107.1 the seven before moving to 107.2 <laughs> the wolf. Which became Signal 107, and all those stations merged together. What a weird time that was! Um, but BRMB was the Birmingham station. Um, I I remember I got I managed to get in at Wyvern, which was the station in Worcester. That was another one. That was one when I was younger. I was sending tapes to. Right. And I used to I, for about a week. One I remember back in like 1999 for a week. There was used to be based just outside the city centre, and I used to walk up and I used to I took a tape in. I walked past the next day and popped in and said, have they listened to my tape yet? And they went, no. A couple of days later, I walked past and went, have they listened to my tape yet now? And they rang me. And they said, can you please stop coming in? <laughs> we'll call you if we need you. So, it feels like everything that you've done so far is just be like, just keep on at them until they cave. Just yeah. keep on at them. I but was the same. It the, was like, you had me get in the van. That yeah, was kind of... <laughs> 
That's just true. They even have a van. <laughs> whose van that was. Um, but the the Wyvern thing, I got to work on Wyvern. Um, that was a because I'd I'd apply to do some cover work. Well, no, I don't. I tell I didn't even apply. Oh, this is another great one, right? So I always say, as I say, like push out on spec for for opportunity. There was a chap who ran Beacon Radio, which which was also part of the Wyvern Radio group, and BRB was in the same group. But he was a chap that ran Beacon, which was based in Wolverhampton. I guessed his email address. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying his name. He's, he doesn't work for them anymore. Um, he's gone on to do other things. It was a lovely man by the name of Matt Ramsbottom who gave me my opportunity at Beacon. And I wanted to send a demo their way. And uh, I, I thought, I wonder, matt.ramsbottom mm-hmm. at beaconradio.com. I sent it. A day later, I got a message going, come and have a chat. Hey. What? <laughs> <laughs> I guessed an email address and here we are. So I did, and I and I ended up doing some cover work at Beacon. And the guy who ran Wyvern at the time said, "Come, come over, come and have a chat. We we heard you on Beacon. Come and have a chat." And I ended up doing this thing where not only did I get a shift on Wyvern, which was the local station in Worcester, I became their weekend presenter on Wyvern. Like, wow, this is amazing. The guy who ran Wyvern obviously was in the same group that ran BRMB, and I told him, I said one day, like, my dream is to work on. BRMB. I'd love to do at least a show on there. And I wonder if there's any way that you could put a word in. And I'll always remember what he said. Because uh, he said, well, God loves a trier. Okay. But then he was the one that had referred to me privately, I discovered. And then I, and I don't want it to be like sipping the tea, spilling the tea on, on who it is. Because, you know, I don't want to say his spill name. Spill it. No, I'll spill it. <laughs> He's, some, he's somebody that had referred to me in private as uh, a bit of a rinky-dink Butlin's red coat. Butlin's yellow coat. Was it right. red coat or yellow coat? So, like, he didn't make much of me at all, but I was sort of filling in a gap mm-hmm. on his station and thought... I, and so he never actually... I don't think he ever put me forward for BRMB because he was worried how it would come across, how he would be perceived if he'd put me forward. So I never got a chance to. And I, I don't, do you know what? Maybe maybe he did and maybe they agreed that I wasn't good enough. I think that whole group was quite too cool for school, whereas I'm too school for cool. So I, I kind of get that why that may have never happened. Um, but- Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's no matter. There's just everybody's got different things that they want from presenters. And I don't think I was, but I did. But hey, I, whatever. I get to say I did it. Yeah. I can go and tell young Tom, you won't believe this. We do Wyvern. Do we? Yeah. We do weekends for about a year. What? It's ridiculous. Why'd you leave? Because we get offered another job. What? No way. That was it. I did because um, I was work. I was living in Shrewsbury by that point with my ex, and um, I was offered a job in Wolverhampton. I know we're jumping around the timeline a little bit. It's okay. I'm trying He's to get with us. I'm trying to get everything in. <laughs> trying to get everything in, so I never do an interview again. There's a lot. Um, There's a lot. I'm old. This is the problem when you leave these interviews too late. Um, <laughs> I'm just. I, I, I like to share the lengths that I went to to make shifts happen by not driving. I'm the sort of person... We have attempted to learn to drive. Yes. Uh, I took a practical drive. I did a week-long crash course in Sheffield in 2009. I had a full week of driving lessons followed by a test on the Friday. The test was ended after 25 minutes on grounds of public safety. What did you do? I tried to go the wrong way around a roundabout. Oh, my God. Jeez. To the point where they said, right, either... You let me drive us back to the center, or I put the car in park and I walk back to the center myself. You can't drive any further. Wow. That's kind of burned me on the whole driving thing. I'm very envious of people that can because my uh, for whatever reason I can't. You can. Get... Okay, I okay, think I maybe I you can. get <laughs> <But> you... <laughs> All right, Orville. I can't. But no, you probably, I probably you, can. You would be able to, but it sounds like if you get too much up in your head. And we know that's the thing that I do anyway. That's a thing. I get a bit lost in my own that's brain. That's a thing. I, I, th- I, I, you know, I, I take comfort in someone like a Ricky Gervais that has never learned to drive either. You've managed to do okay without having yeah. a car. So al- and also it's, it's a case of like... It's fine. Yeah. And, and it's I've, fine. And I've never wanted to use it as an excuse to, to not do something. Mm. To go, oh, well, I can't drive there, so hey-ho, that's another opportunity lost. You've made it happen. I thought, I'll just make it happen. The amount of times when I was plugging away to get into radio, where i pick up the phone and I would book, uh, like I'd chat with somebody and go, we'd love, to come meet, we'd love you to meet you. I remember um, the guy who ran Mercia in Coventry saying, we'd love to have a chat with you. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Monday, can you come over Monday at 9 o'clock? Yeah, I can do Monday at 9 o'clock. Cheers, bye. Right, how do I get to Coventry for Monday at nine o'clock? That's the, the afterthought. We figure all that out after. Um, but then I remember, I don't know whether I ever told Dickie Dodd this. He gave me weekends on The Wolf, which is in Wolverhampton. So I did Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. And I was living in Shrewsbury at this point. And Shrewsbury is about 50 miles outside of Wolverhampton. It's a bit of a way. Maybe less in the grand scheme of things. Um, but so what I did was because Sunday mornings, the trains wouldn't run till like 9.30 from Shrewsbury to Wolverhampton. It was the earliest you could get into Wolverhampton. It was about 9.30. The show started at, um, I think, 7. 
So this is what I did, right? Because I was adamant that I wanted to do these shows because I was optimistic that it would lead to more. I would get the... I would go into Wolverhampton on the Friday and I'd pre-record three links that would get me to about 20 past six. They were buffer links in the event that the Saturday didn't transpire. So I'd do that on the Friday. I then, on the Saturday morning at 5.20 a.m., I would get the train from Shrewsbury to Wolverhampton. So I'd get into Wolverhampton at about 10 to 6, so 10 minutes before the show starts. The studio was around the corner from the train station, so I was normally there by about 3 minutes to 6, just in time to everything clicks out of the network, and then I'm sat there and we're good to go. So there was nothing I necessarily needed to do on the day to make sure that we came out of network. It was all fine. It would tick along on its own. But I always covered my back. So then I do the show. I go home. And then at 11.45 p.m., I get the last train out of Shrewsbury, which would get me into... Oh, sorry, was it... Tw- was it 11? It was 12.45. Sorry, it's 12.45 a.m. I get the last train out of Shrewsbury, which will get me into Wolverhampton at about half one in the morning. Wow. I'd go to the studio where I had access to the building. I'd deactivate the alarm and I'd go to sleep on the sofa. I was going to say, at what point did you sleep? I went to sleep on the sofa. I had about three and a half to four hours sleep on the sofa. And then I'd wake up and I'd do the show. And I did that for about a month and a half before I was moved on to breakfast full time, which point I went, I'm going to move to Wolverhampton now, which is fine because the relationship was, was ending at that point. So the timing of it was... Whilst very sad, still like eerily perfect. <laughs> so I did. But I will always remember that trip and just being, you know. And I think that's why, like, so, like, ne- nothing feels like too much trouble because stuff like that is beyond the pale. Staying behind an extra hour isn't too much trouble when you compare it to that whole thing but where does that drive come from though that where does that because i we've had conversations before where i'll have shifts that chop and change and my body clock just does not do that like i if i don't get enough sleep i'm like not pleasant to be around let's be honest you seem not to my have place this to say get up, <laughs> it's true it's true but you have this get up and go and this and this energy and a lot of people might think how do you do that like just where does that come from hmm. Because even it amazes me, and I, I don't even know. Mr. Burns, your momentum is like a runaway runaway freight train. How have you become so popular? Now, um, I've just I I love what I do. That's the cheesy answer. I've been so gosh darn lucky that pretty much all the jobs I've had, I've really loved. Radio has been in my bones since I was a kid. So yeah, I. I'd, I'd move the earth to be there. It's not a case of this is too much trouble. This is a case of if I do that, I can do this. Like that's where it, I think that's where it. If I was, if it was, if it was a weekend job at, at, at you know as an ad, administrative officer, big shout to the administrative officers, no disrespect. But like if it, but if it wasn't something that was in my bones, then I wouldn't. But the fact that radio is is something that has walked beside me, like wrestling, weirdly like it's like the hedgehog, um, then nothing's too much. We'll just make it happen. We'll just we'll make it happen because it's a gosh, it's a it's a joy to do. It's a joy to do. And you you know firsthand 
even now in like I'm I'm at a point now where I'm I'm starting to slow down a little bit. Are you? Believe it or not. When? <laughs> well, coming up. When? In, coming coming when? up. Well, look, well, <laughs> it's, it's... Coming up soon. It's happened by the time you've seen this, but coming up soon is my fat my last night uh, working for North right. Wrestling as a ring announcer and. There's a lot of stuff on like, away from my day job, on the periphery that I'm pulling away from, simply because I want more time for me and V. And also, you know what? I think that I've pushed as far as... I, I'm very proud of the work that I've done, but a lot of the stuff that I do is a bit of a young man's game. And I think I'm very aware that whilst... Whilst in some fields, I'll always feel like I wish I could have been more. I wish I could have done more. In what way? I always, you know what? It's everywhere. I think for me, I've always, I, to with the heart thing. Well, I was going to say, because with radio. Radio especially. It, it brings us it brings us nicely to, to when you did come away. Because obviously you ended up here at Cultaholic. Hello. Hello. But, but for heart though. Sorry, I interrupted you. It's your interview, not mine. No, no. But it's obviously with 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 heart. You said that you threw everything at it, and you lived, ate, and breathed it mm. up until the point that you came away. So, talk me through what sort of for anyone that doesn't know what happened with with heart and why. Basically, how you ended up coming here. Yeah, that's a good. Okay. Um. So I threw everything at it. It wasn't a case of I came away. I was <laughs> I was sent away. I was trying to say it nicely. Nah, that's fine. Yes. That's fine. So big changes happened. So I was with Heart doing Drive for five years. And the stations were progressively getting younger. And there was a real vibe that they wanted all as much of the content as they could based uh, the mothership based in London. So that was the kind of the plan. And um, what ended up happening was they made some big changes to the output, which meant that they wanted the breakfast shows to come out of London. Because you know, for, for those who, uh, who, who want to know the science behind it, uh, there were, up until that point, regulations from the radio authority that meant that seven and a half hours of every day needed to come from whatever broadcast site covered that region. And the regulating authority decided, actually, no, we don't need that many hours, really. You can get away with three. So when they made those announcements, and it was it was just before Christmas 2018, we kind of knew. And whilst they, everybody up and down had said, no, there's no changes that we know of, we kind of knew the writing was on the wall for a lot. And we and it was a very nervous Christmas. Mm. Um, by this point, I was doing a little bit for Cultaholic by this because um, the reason that came about was because I was ring announcing at North, and Adam Pachiti and Jack the Jobber had come to a North show, and I didn't really know them that well, other than I liked what they did and I watched their channels, and it was Adam that came up to me and said. Yeah, I can't say it because we're on the YouTube. He said, you're effing great. <laughs> He'd had a drink, to be fair. <laughs> but he was very complimentary. And I was like, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And then we ended up, I think maybe the next show, he came along again. And we ended up having a similar conversation at the after party there. And I was like, that's very kind. Thank you. And then he'd said, um, we're looking to start, um, a, uh, one of our writers in America wants to start a podcast for us. And we think you'd be good for it. This was Justin. This was Justin Henry from Off of America. And a big love to Justin Henry. 
who I had a FaceTime conversation with uh, the next day. And he went, yeah, this is cool. Let's do this. So we did. True story. He'd, uh, he, he wanted to do it with Matthew. I was second choice. And that's fine. Cause I get it. Cause if I was a Justin Henry from off of America, there he is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I get it. Cause if I was a Justin Henry from off of America, I would want the Greg rub as well. I'd want yep. the Botchermania rub too. Uh, but I was so happy that Matthew turned it down because this led to a beautiful friendship with me and Justin. We would go in the spare room. In my, well, not together. He'd be in America, but I go in the <laughs> spare room. I go in our spare room for about an hour and a half on a yeah. Monday night. And we talk about old episodes of Raw. And that, and I kind of liked being on. It kind of comes back to that whole thing of like, I always like to be sort of the rebel. The, the ra- underdog. The, the rage in the machine. <laughs> and um, so I was. Oh, the screen's gone off. If you're watching on the oh. channel. There we go. Fixed it. Um, I was the rebel in the machine. The rage in the machine. Uh, so I was doing that at the same time as I was still plugging away at heart. And then all these changes came through. And lo and behold, we all get called to a meeting. And... You know how this meeting's going to go when your boss takes you to one side before it starts. And and uh, big shout to Giles Tanner, who was my boss at heart, who was genuinely wonderful with me from the moment that we met on the banks of the River Tyne, where I signed the deal, to the very end. And we still didn't text. I texted him the other day, actually, about something. Um, just a little fun observation about the radio. And, and so... And then I remember him just taking me to one side and just saying, look, this meeting's not going to be good news, but I want you to hold your head high because you've done nothing wrong. And then we go into the meeting and they announce that all the breakfast shows are being networked out of London. So all the breakfast teams are being dissolved in May. And I remember coming downstairs and ringing you. Yeah, I remember that call. Just in bits, because at that point, I thought I was going to be the only one here. I thought I was going. You had survivor's remorse. It was Oh, it was... immediate survivor's remorse. Then I go upstairs <laughs> and then I'm called into a meeting <laughs> where Giles says, your services will not be required from May because as well as the breakfast team going, we're using the opportunity to make some changes on drive. And this is the station getting younger getting more vibrant and and that has been what's happened and i remember as we're talking um i uh, giles is 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 very much reading from uh, the proper work proper paperwork to tell me this is what's happening as he should i remember saying are you all right and he went i'm having the worst day Mm -hmm. like why are you asking me if i'm all right like i'm letting you go i was like yeah but as long as you're all right um, so that was, and, and, and that was kind of, and then I rang you later and I went, all right, I've, and weirdly, you were, you were relieved <laughs> on the second call when she knew relieved. that you lost your job. Is that weird? The previous one, honestly, I couldn't even, only dogs could hear him at the first call. It's like just sobbing. Like, I was like, oh my God. Cause even my boss said to me, do you need to go? I was oh, like, bless. to be honest, I was like, you were at BBC Radio Newcastle. At that I was point. like, I was, I was, I was doing my shift and I was like, I, I'll be honest. I don't know what I can do at this mm. stage because they're still having all these talks. Yeah, and there was nothing. You, we all went to we all went to the pub once all these talks were done. That's what we did. That was all we could do. Was so I got taken off the shift that day. Uh, <laughs> Tell the truth. Okay. Okay. So here's the, so here's the truth. So I had my meeting, and then I joined a few others in the pub over the road, um, and 
so like the breakfast show, the production team, a lot, sales some of the sales staff. Team. We're talking. We're talking like across the board, like everybody. Lots of people. It was like the Titanic, like literally, mm. like the not the guy. Ev- not everybody was not everybody was told that day they were going, but some were being um, moved to other sites. But it was the end of an era. Yeah. It was the end of an era. But we were going to carry on till May. Everybody was going to carry on what they were doing till May, and um, we went to the pub over the road. And my and and Giles had said to me, he said, "Are you happy to to be on air later?" I went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I'm I'm still here. I'm still contracted till May. Like, you know, this is you know. I I think the best way to describe this is it's it's kind of like." In the wrestling terms, kind of like when John Laurinaitis gives you the call and goes, yeah, sorry, pal, it's uh, budgets. Uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. It's kind of getting a future endeavor. Uh, but I was still there till May. And I said, look, I'll be fine. Look, this is, it's just, weirdly, it was a relief. Knowing what was going to happen. There was, there was sadness for months, yeah. but there was a relief at least. Went to the pub over the road. Had a pint with the breakfast team. Had another pint with the breakfast team. Had another pint. Had another pint with the breakfast team, to which... My boss comes over and says, look, you're not in trouble. <laughs> Took me to one side. So you're not in trouble. But you've had a couple of beers now. We've got you some cover for the show. And I know you were going to come on and come on, do the show. But I would rather you stay here with your friends and enjoy your afternoon. I love you very much. It's like, okay. Like, and then like the guilt. You were not okay. The guilt sets you were, in. You the were guilt not okay. sets in. I came up to meet you at the pub, and honestly, like Kelly, who's one of the presenters, the breakfast presenter, she came up to me and she goes, Could you please speak to your partner? He's not okay. <laughs> Could you please just tell him he's done nothing wrong, he's fine? Because you were crying around oh, the this guilt. Point. I was just guilty. And it's you were guilt. like, Oh my God, like, I've, I, I I can't do the show. Jazz has taken me off. It's like, Yeah, but that's okay. Like, mm. everyone up here is just, you've had a hell of a day. Just, mm. just yeah. you know, I come wanna, to terms with what's happened. I like, want to make sure that as I tell these stories, that there's no. Ill will. There's no hard no. feeling. There's there is nothing but love. Because gosh, I got to work at one of the biggest radio groups for five years. I've got no sadness there, and they really they were great to me all the way through the last few months and on the way out. Like I couldn't have asked for more. I don't want this to anybody to think this is some sort of hatchet thing. It's not. I I there's nothing but love for all the time I had there like like these things happen these things change and it's devastating so of course I was upset because this is a big part of my life that's changing again and you know the prospect of me leaving the northeast breaks my heart at this point pun intended the reason I wanted to mention it was because there's through through these through these awfully sad times there are these moments that that take you out of it and go actually this is all objective or subjective whichever because we went to a pub up the road after we went to that initial pub once i've been let off for the day we went to the pub over the way another pub and it was a gorgeous beautiful january afternoon when we had this meeting we were all told we're up the road and so they had the 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 garden the beer garden open it was the roof terrace. The roof terrace. That was it. It was the roof terrace. Because, yeah, cause you turned up by this point. I did. So there was the roof terrace. <laughs> you heard there was... The, you heard there were... You, I heard there was a the, party, You were so. in the pub? Okay. <laughs> if I must join you. So the roof terrace is me, and it's the presenters. It's the sales staff. It's some of the producers who had come and gone throughout the day from the building. And... Um, we're all just like, we're laughing, but there's a sadness. There's a real underlying sadness knowing that this is probably going to be one of the last times that we're all together like in this. In the same place at the same time. In the same, same place at the same time. Mm. 
I checked the, the pub's Twitter and their Facebook page later that day, and they posted a picture of this bustling roof terrace, and it's all of us. We'd all been let go. And the caption read, Heck of a busy day in our beer garden. Get over here and join in the fun. Or something to that extent. And and it's something like that that takes you away from it and go, you know what? That was an awful day for all of us. Banging day on the tills for them. Yeah. Everything is subjective. But that's life, isn't it? That's, that's life. That's the world. That someone will be having the worst day ever. They're having a belter. Another person will be having the best. And mm. it's just... And from there, yeah. very, very grateful because as... As as time would go on, uh, I took take a bit of uh, a bit of gardening leave, and then what's Tom Campbell doing in the BBC Radio Newcastle zone, Maggle? Here I turn up, and all of a sudden I'm working for the BBC, and that's where we're at now, where they I'm I'm a presenter that's on the bench, and they give me a call whenever they need, and gosh, again somehow I keep falling upwards with stuff like this because I went I work for the biggest commercial radio group in the country, and now I'm. I work for the BBC. That's ridiculous. Because Tom in 2009 applied for a job at the BBC. Tom in 2009 applied at the BBC. And I was told by the boss at BBC, I think Radio Shropshire, a good friend of mine called Tim. And he said, you sound like you're trying too hard to behave yourself. (laughs) And that time I was. I don't think I'll ever behave myself. But I think the parameters have changed somewhat in BBC radio and they kind of want a little like i've gone from feeling like sort of like the old guard at heart to sort of the cheeky rapscallion at radio newcastle (laughs) and i love that and and it's there's something special about doing that but then but to jump jumping ahead but then as my time at heart was coming to an end and um i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do like from here like i'd had a i'd had an early chat with the bbc but nothing was certainly set in stone from them but then thank goodness for aew thank goodness tony khan i want to thank tony khan he sends us checks every week thank you tony khan (laughs) um because the lads went to go and cover their pay-per-view in las vegas which left here short so adam pachiti rang me and said look i don't know whether this is of any interest to you or even whether you're free but we could do with a hand this week while the lads are in Vegas, would you be up for doing some news videos with me? Yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm free all morning. Then I've got to go do the radio in the afternoon because I was still working at the radio at that point. I can come in in the morning, no problem. So I did. And I did that for a couple of days. And by the end of the month, Adam had took me out for a coffee and said, we'd like to offer you a full-time job. And on that note, I'm going to ask you for your third and final match, Ooh, Tom Campbell. We haven't even talked about how we... Properly met. We can come back to that in a second, can't we? We met at heart. We met at heart. I'd, okay, basically, I read his news. This is the short version. Yeah, we'll do the short version. Six months before you turn up, I lost my job. Again, this is like a, a common theme going throughout Radio Jobs World. coming and going. They come and go. you got to be thick-skinned. Mm-hmm. you just got to deal with it. Jobs coming and going. They come and go. Um, so I'm a, a trained journalist. I worked in the newsrooms. I was a newsreader. I was living in Leeds at the time. I had a house. I had an ex-partner. Oops, you just built on the desk. Apologies. It's fine. Um, and here was the last little dribbles. And right? I lost. I was made redundant. Oh. Cheers. Ching, so ching. previously, when Hart took over from, it was Real Radio, it used to be called. Real Hart. Radio. So that was all <laughs> bought out and taken over. And I lost my job with them. This is lovely. So I then went, have I got another bottle somewhere? 
I only put the one bottle. I didn't, oi, think, we'd go th- I didn't think we'd go this long. Do you reckon we can get another one out? I don't know. Okay. Well, to be honest, we, we've got, we're, we're about to get to the third match in the movie, the uh, album, uh, and the luxury item. So okay, okay. I think we're good. We'll go for one after. Lost my job. I did an interview for a job in Leeds. I didn't get it, but they said, well, we have one in, in the northeast. Would you like it? And by this point, I'd never been to Newcastle in my life. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Like, northeast? I said, how long have I got to decide this? About 24 hours. Champion. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty much how this works that in the That was biz. it. And I literally had a day or so to find a house, to leave my home, to move to the northeast. I was on my own. You were brave. I uh, Bricking it, I think, is more the term. Yeah, but you're brave while bricking it. So I then went to work for Hart in the northeast. Then about six months later, there was an email that was sent round. A little bit later than that, and it was a guy called Tom Campbell introducing himself. Yeah, and it's an picture, email. It was an email. It's a picture of Austin Powers on it, and it said, "I'd like to introduce myself." Allow myself to, to introduce, introduce myself. myself. <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, who's this idiot?" <laughs> I did. I thought, "Oh, here we go, Accurate. comedian." Um, but yeah, so and and you kept. I, I thought I'll respond. I'll be nice because I know what it's like. You to were one somewhere. of two people that responded. Well, just because. Earlier, about six months earlier, I had to do the exact same thing. Mm. Come somewhere completely different, didn't know the area, didn't know anybody, and it was a completely new job. So I thought, well, I'll be nice, I'll reply back. Can't remember what I said, but... You were just very polite, and you said, hello, I'm Alex, I'm quite new here too. Um, look forward to meeting you I'll in January. I'll be the, the newsy bits. Mm. Anyway, so we worked together after that for about another six months. And we were both seeing different people at this point, but we got on really well. We got for dinner as friends... And then there was one day where we met up for, for coffee. About half ten in the morning. I'd arranged for us to meet for coffee on a Sunday afternoon, about lunchtime, at a place just over the way. And it was you, you cheeky, it was you that said, maybe a little something stronger. Mm. So it became something stronger. It did. For about nine hours. At half nine at night, we were still out. We've been out for nine hours. And then we realised that neither of us wanted to go home and we thought... I mean, I was quite tired. There's something here. Yeah, thanks for that. There's something here, there though. And, and we thought, yeah, we need to sort out our situations and, yeah. Is that door opening there? That door's just slowly... Do you want me to... Crackly, crackle, crackle. I'll go and open... I'll go and close that door. Oh, bless you, Owen. Thank thanks, you to Owen. Owen. Big shout to Owen. Woo-hoo. Leave that in the edit if you want, Rich. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, so... Um, that's all right, but that's it, that's it. That's that's it, basically. We we realised that we wanted, you know, and, and to be together. And, and after that, it got a bit funny at work because we are trying to keep things quiet at work and not let it infringe on our professional career. Professionalism. Staying professional. But then you you were leaving as we got together. Literally, yeah, about a couple months after that. You, um, you were then offered a job up here that would have kept you up here, but by this point... You had nowhere to live. My 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 flatmate had had got married and moved out to go be with his husband. I was living in this flat on my own and didn't think I I came away from that job because there's different circumstances. But I decided to, to walk away. Didn't have a plan, and then I realised that yeah, this is a really bad idea. I had no job. I was I had no home basically. No, you had a job that was offered, but you had nowhere to live. That was what I remember because you oh, yeah. you've been offered the job. Uh, Metro. Metro. And uh, you had nowhere to live. So, which, that was which it. Is, we've been dating for about three weeks at this point. And I said to you, we were sat in the, uh, it's now the, the head of steam. It was something else at the time on the quayside. We were sat there. And I'd said to you, well, why don't you just move in with me? 
This is three weeks after we got together. I said, because like, and, and like, because you need somewhere to live. Yeah. You've got a job starting. And if this doesn't work out, like if there's a spare room where I'm, where I'm living, you can have that. And then you can find your own way from there. So it was just like, if you need, just move in. And and it's weird because I'm someone that can sometimes, like I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm very sort of like, let's go, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. That to me, that made all the sense in the world. There wasn't I, a second in my head where I went, this is, this is weird. See, on paper, I thought, right, moving in with someone after three weeks sounds insane. Mm, yeah. Because I'm quite cautious. I don't jump into things like I take my time. Mm. But that just felt right. Yeah, that, and it there was. was. There was no hesitance whatsoever. I just thought. I think it's like giving you a little get out where I was just like, look, if this doesn't well, work out, then there's a spare bed. It wasn't there's so much a spare that. Room. I, I think I just knew that you were a good guy. And I thought, mm. no, it's okay. Like, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fine. It'll we'll, be what it is. We'll figure this out. We'll have a lovely time. And that was six and a half years ago. Yeah, and we've moved since. And we'll probably move again next year, if not the year after. Hopefully. You know, once the housing market calms down. Well, yeah. But, um,. But yeah, so that and that was how we met. That was that was and that was at heart. And then you went on to do many other things, and you've had a a, a beautiful career that is still growing. <laughs> and you know, we've had a you know we've 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 had trials and tribulations, and, and here you are now sat at my other job. There you go. You see, what, what Adam, a, if you're watching, no, can I get no? Are you pushing for a job? Maybe <laughs> you don't like wrestling. No, I, know. I, I don't <laughs> like wrestling. And I've had this discussion with Adam. I said, can I have a job? Like, I was a joke. And he went, you don't know anything about wrestling. I'm like. That's fine. That's fair enough. I don't. Third match. Do you want my movie? My album? My luxury item See, before I'm the third so match? I'm so bad at this. This is why I don't have a job here. I'm so bad at this. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> I just... Normally, we do the movie, album, luxury item before the third match. But this is your can interview. Can we not switch it up? You're welcome to. Can we switch it up? You're welcome to. I just think the third match has got quite a nice anecdotal nature that is a nice way to, to end it on. But it's up to you. Okay. No, we'll do it that way. That's fine. Okay. So... Tom I like Campbell. how I'm directing the int. Should have been Matthew Gregg doing this. Should have been Matthew Gregg. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> we give you a movie, we give you an album, and we give you a luxury item on your desert island. Mm -hmm. So first off, Tom Campbell, what is your movie that you're going to take with you and I, why? I'm going to pick uh, the movie adaptation of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Starring uh, him from The Office and other people, and Alan Rickman as well. Um, I, I love this film. I love the the book. I devoured the radio series when I discovered um, a bit torrent of it back in the day. Sorry, the internet. Sorry. Um, I did then go on later on to buy the Audible download and the CD collection of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for my penance. Um, I love the I love the radio version. The film, I think, just captures that energy of the book beautifully. I know some will disagree, but it's one of those films that I can just stick on on an evening any, in any mood, if I need a lift, if I'm celebrating, if I'm whatever. It's a film that I'll always enjoy. And, and the, I, there's something about the fantastical that I always like. Like it's, I think I like the stories that come from I like the characters that are built in it. I'm... Yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is my movie, without a doubt. What is it about it, though? Because I, I like this before, like a space admin. You seem to like space admin yeah. as a, as <laughs> you a genre. Said that, actually. It's music, musically, it's DuckTales, and then films, it's space admin. Mm. Um, yeah, space administration. I just, I, I like world building. 
Like, if Warhammer wasn't so expensive, I probably would have got into Warhammer. But I like world building. I like the idea of, like, there being no restrictions on what you can and can't create. But I also like when a, when something does, like, take something that's so mundane and makes it fantastical. There's something about that that always makes me smile. Like, you know, like, there's, this, there's, there's the scene where they're trying to get... Um, they're, they're, they're trying to, I don't want to spoil the film too much, but they're trying to get somebody out of prison. And in order to do so, they need forms. So in order to get the forms, you've got to queue like you're at the post office. It's like, well, thankfully we're British and we're very good at queuing. And there's something about all that idea of space admin that I really like, that I just find very heartwarming, you know? You liked Loki for the same reason. Loki I liked as well. Like the yeah. series of Loki, like the, the Loki series on Disney Plus is great because it's the whole idea that time is run by this body that is very driven by paperwork and administration. I don't know what it is. I just like, I like when really humdrum things are given a sci-fi edge i guess that's what it is maybe that's why i like the dyson hoover it feels a bit space age <laughs> to have a dyson hoover i don't know but that's a big part of it and i just like the, the the story is something that can be added to and built upon for many years but the film itself there's a, like a nice charm about the film it's stephen fry doing the voiceovers and also uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy gave me one of my favorite phrases which i use a lot which is, I would rather be happy than right. And it's something that I hold very dear because there's, if, you know, I'll have, you know, if, if, if I know I'm wrong on something, but the response, the result of whatever it is is still great, I'm happy just to go, yeah, fair enough. I called that wrong because I would rather be happy than right every single day. I'm terrible to have an argument with. <laughs> Mitch Wadden, who uh, is our outgoing uh, tribal editor in chief, here at Cultaholic, um, launched a series uh, on the podcast called The Motion. The whole idea is you get two parties that are for and against stuff. And he says, like, I want people to have like a big antagonistic argument. And I said, it's a great idea. Um, I'm the wrong person for it. But if you want to put it together, because I'm not into like, I, I care about stuff deeply, but I'm happy just to go, all right, that's, you're right, and that's cool. Like, I'm not one for point scoring. I've never been one for, like, you know, getting one over on anybody. It's not my bag. I just, life, like, that's exhausting when you live like that. I'm, I'm tired a lot of the time anyway. I think a lot of people were hoping that you were going to have like, this really sort of, like, dark side to you, that you were going to be, like, sort of, Secretly, you yeah, know, you're like, because <laughs> he's secretly evil. Because it's easier to believe that somebody is a horrible piece of work than to accept that actually they're probably all it's right. A nice, decent human being, isn't it? It's I do find it funny that when somebody is inherently nasty, people will just go, "Ah, well, they're nasty," and there you go. There's the proof. However, if somebody's inherently nice, they'll go, "They're probably nasty." I remember somebody I met at college. I asked about this, and I said, "Like, why are so many?" girls you know, there was me like chubby spotty wearing a friggin hawaiian shirt going why does nobody fancy me um but i am asking um this friend of mine like why are so many girls that we know into bad girls and stuff and they went because with a bag with a why are they into bad guys with a bad guy like you know what you're getting with a good guy you're waiting for them to to upset you 
to, and that's terrible. I've always had the nice guys, so I don't know. But that's, but then, that, <laughs> but you're, but you're quite, you're quite um, cynical, cynical mm. as a person. So like, if you know, I feel like sometimes you, you meet I'm people. But it's almost like when you're cynical, you're kind of almost waiting for. Oh, what's the catch here? No, I think I think I can only sort of liken it to, to our relationship. I think you're probably the first person that I didn't feel that with. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I normally do. You normally, you get a vibe and you go, "Where else to catch you?" Yeah. Well, that's and nice. I don't, I, I'm, I don't trust many people, and I keep everyone at arm's length, mm. and I kind of just have that. Again, cynicism when yeah. you've worked in in news and you have to do horrendous stories about people and you see the worst of society. Hmm. Yeah, you do always think the worst, but I didn't have that with you, which is why I moved in with you after three weeks. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. You don't anyone you know. So that's my movie anyway, Hitchhiker's cool. Guide to the Galaxy. So album. Album. DuckTales theme. No. No, okay. Andrew WK, I Get Wet. Hey, why? That Adele. <laughs> the best album ever made. Um, I wrote a blog about it years ago uh, because Andrew WK's I Get Wet is a perfect album because Andrew WK had a hit on his hands with Party Hard. Yep. He then made a follow-up single called The Girl Is Beautiful, which sounded exactly the same. He then released an album in which the titular track, I Get Wet, sounds exactly the same. He then released a song called We Want Fun, Sounds exactly the same. Andrew WK knows his audience and he is giving the people what they want in 11 songs or less. And I love that album for it. I love the, the audacity of that album, which every song is boom, bam, 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 bam. That's all it is. The whole album. Mwah. I'm a big fan of a guy that knows his audience. <laughs> Does he still follow you on Twitter? Yes, he does. We awesome. don't talk very often, if at all. But he followed me years ago. The blog doesn't exist anymore. It's on the same fire as the Top Trumps. Um, <laughs> but I wrote a blog where I explained kind of what I've summarized there in about 90 seconds, why this is the greatest album ever, because it's a guy that completely gets his target audience, and all he does is deliver the same hit in several different ways. And I think that's great. God love you, Andrew WK. Now, I know he's done more experimental stuff since then, mm -hmm. and he's moved on and tried different things and different sounds, but he stayed true to his core, that all he wants is for people to party hard, because when it's time to party, we will always party hard. And he parties hard in the album I Get Wet for 11 tracks or less. God love Andrew WK. There you go. That's why that album is what I'm taking on a desert island, because in such uncertain times as being on a desert island, I know what I'm getting with that album. <laughs> I know what I'm getting with that album. 11 times in a row. 11 times in a row or less. Fabulous. <laughs> so the luxury item. I'm taking with me as my luxury item. I'm going to take a Nintendo Game Boy. Right, okay. The nostalgia uh, is strong in this mm, one. Yeah. Now, admittedly, it therefore means I cannot take Sonic the Hedgehog with me mm -hmm. on the island. Controversial. Leave the memories alone. Um, but in terms of a handheld console, that would mean if I wanted to play Sonic the Hedgehog and play in the game properly, I'd have to take a Game Gear. And there's not enough Game Gear games outside of Sonic 1 and 2 and Triple Trouble that I'm that bothered to buy. But the Nintendo Game Boy gives me a nice wide selection of games. Um, 
I'm a big fan of the Mario Land series. Tetris is a great game to while away many hours on. There's been some 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 interesting versions of games released for the Game Boy that I would love to spend time burning through. Pokemon is a great way to to kill time when you have a Game Boy, um, and it's a, a nice old school feel. You know, I like the idea of also playing the Game Boy without having to worry about the um, about the lampposts above say, the motorway the lighting your screen. I was going to say, going like, orange light gone, orange light gone, yeah. orange light gone, so you can't actually get past if, until... If I'm on a desert island, then I've got that all the time. There we go. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Okie cokey. That's what it's all about. So I'm taking a Nintendo Game Boy with me. Easy. Okay. Easy. Do you sort of have that sort of strong nostalgia with a lot of things? Is it? Is it? Because I know obviously with like the wrestling that you spoke about, the Nintendo and... Sonic, but I think I'm quite a nostalgic person. I think on the whole, I think I'm very a very nostalgic soul. I um, I very much. I wonder whether it's just arcing back to days where things were a little bit more simple. I don't know whether it's just the fact that I just quite like games that. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm not against new games. I'm not like I don't rally against new stuff. Spider Man on the PS4 is brilliant. It's a great game. Big fan of GTA V. Played a lot of Fall Guys during the last 18 months. Yeah. I've won two games on Fall Guys now. Never got Fortnite, never got Minecraft. Um, but I guess I'll always, there'll always be a part of me that will resonate with, you know, as the aforementioned, playing a console in the back of the car. And, you know, I don't, I don't do enough downtime. I think the reason I got back into it, like, I got a Game Boy recently. Um, I brought mine back home. When I went back home, I brought my old Game Boy back with me. Um, I think it's the idea of I need to switch off more. Do you switch off? <laughs> you can answer that. <laughs> I would know the answer to I that I admire one. the fact that you were willing to let me answer it, but let's, let's call a spade I'll let a you spade. answer that one. You know what I'm going to say. So. I, I don't do it as well as I should, and I'm working. that's the thing I'm working on for 2022. That's why I'm pulling away from quite a few non-cultaholic, non-radio-based commitments to allow myself that time to to switch off and come away from stuff. And and having a phone in your hand in a job like this where you constantly get dings and dings and dings of breaking news, it's difficult to switch off because I could be quite happily chilled on the sofa and then you get a ding on your phone of so-and-so has been released. Yeah. Suddenly your brain Which starts going... It's been happening quite a bit. Yes. Mm. So uh, your brain, and then your brain starts running. Then of like, okay, I could, we should probably be doing this. I should probably be prepping this. I can prep that now, and that's one less thing to do in the morning. Um, so not having my phone in my hand would be quite nice. And a Game Boy is kind of replacing that sort of feeling of having a phone in my hand. But it, but do you actually ever switch off though at all? Because obviously there is downtime which isn't work. But I would argue that having a Game Boy or playing games and that kind of thing, it's just it, mm. you're, you're still. Your brain's still very active. It wouldn't be sort of like sleeping or meditating or going for a walk. Or it's you're, yeah. you're very much like even on nighttime, you'll have your headphones in. That's true. I listen and to listening to podcasts. So I feel like your brain is always ticking over in some way. Yeah, I think maybe that's another thing I need to look at in the new year is is having that time where I do stop. Adam's told me here a lot that I need to. Tells you off, doesn't he? he does, I do get told off a bit now. You know what? I'm quite lucky to be in a, in a position where... He gets told off at home, told I, off at work. I get told off for working too much. Oh, no. Where there's people, there's people that... No, I mean, I could be one of the people that get told we off. We care not, about you. No, 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 I know. And, and that's, it comes from a place of love. But yeah. I like the fact that 
I'm in a position where I get told off a lot for working too much because the, the latter to me seems more horrifying if I get told off for being work shy. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever. I don't think be I'll ever be because a, of... a big a big part of that comes down to this feeling of. Uh, not being good enough. So therefore, I will always work hard. But why do you feel like you're not good enough? Where, oh. where does that stem from? Like, what is, what is I that? I think that's just built in me. I think we mentioned it a little earlier on. I think it's just built in me to feel like there's people who uh, are, are always going to be better at what I do. So therefore, the one thing I can do is be doing what I do a lot consistently. And that's where it comes from. And, and then I, I will always take um, the tiniest slither of negativity as fact. Oh, rather the, than the overwhelming positivity. Which, for a job as a YouTuber, is interesting. Because yeah. the comment section then comes into that. Hi, comment section. You, you probably already ruined my <laughs> Christmas day. <laughs> but we are going to talk about, obviously, with, with Cultaholic and what you do now. And, and kind of, you know, that kind of thing. But I do. am I allowed to ask you about your third match yet? Normally we do the third match right at the end. See, this is can I not mix it up for my? Of course you can. Can we not? Can we you not can. change yeah, it yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, do it. Do Am it. Am I allowed to do that? You do you. Do it. Do it. Do it. You want to ask me my third match? I want to ask you about your third match. Okay, uh, my third match is the bigger in Wigan. <laughs> the third match is a match that changed everything for me, and I wanted to use this as an opportunity to commemorate commiserate and apologize to all involved in the Biggin and Wigan. For anyone who hasn't heard about this or doesn't know what the Biggin and Wigan is, explain what the Biggin and Wigan is. Okay, so uh, let's go to OPWO Scorn, which I believe wasn't even in Wigan. I think it was an older shot, um, which is, which is the, the phrase is stuck. And it was a match that got uploaded to the EWB... Battleground, the Extreme Warfare Battleground forums. It was a, a like a, a fantasy wrestling booking game that had its own forum, and I was part of that forum. And the video of this match, this particularly let's let's be honest, this particularly bad match between Chris Brules and Cage Tyler got uploaded. You know, and in 2005, it now looks like it was filmed on a potato <laughs> because because 2005. And uh, it looks like it was filmed in someone's living room, but it was actually probably a sports gym somewhere. And um, these two had a, had a a bad night at the office. Bad night at the office. Just a, a match that didn't flow or ebb in any way. And I decided just to pop the the people in the message board, I would get my... £10 WH Smith microphone, <laughs> plug it into my Windows 2000 PC, and using the inbuilt recording software, add commentary <laughs> to the match. I would then layer the commentary over the video using Windows Movie Maker, and I just uploaded it to the, to the forum just to make my mates in the chat room laugh. And everyone got a good laugh from something that I did that was just for a small group of people in theory, mm -hmm. to which people started going, oh my God, Tom's really good. <laughs> Tom's really good at commentary. So then it ended up on the UK fan forum. Then it ended up on a few other forums. And then it got uploaded to YouTube. <laughs> and I would hear stories as years have gone by of different wrestlers that have watched The Bigger Than Wigan. <laughs> and... Um, 
it's it, it's still out there. I think uh, oh, the internet churns a lot, so I don't think there is many people left that remember it. But certainly at the time, it was the thing. It was a very it was the thing that. Um, and I remember having conversations with Cage Tyler and Chris Sproul's after this thing went whatever the 05 version of viral before was. viral was viral was viral before viral you know before everything's viral it was, you know, everybody goes viral these days but I went viral many years before I think it was classed as viral enough people knew about it for it to be classed as viral I guess um, and I know that Chris Sprouls and I spoke um, and and I, I do you know what and here's the thing you, you know you've said that like fundamentally, like oh, you're you're a nice guy, and people say you're a nice guy. It's pretty mean spirited. You ruined. You... <laughs> it's pretty mean spirited. Um, Cage Tyler retired uh, not long after because he even said to me that I never got out of the shadow of that match. I know Chris Brawls went a similar way, and the whole thing is quite mean spirited. Did you ever you... apologize? Yes, you did to both. And, and I've done it on a couple of podcasts as well. And I'll do it here again as well. Uh, for the harm that I did to careers in that match, I will apologize. Um, because it was never meant to get that far. Um, we all had a good time, right? Um, it's a weird one. Um, it, was, it was meant to... It was something, you know, and maybe there's a, a, a bigger story here about, um, like, jokes made online... And whether you tell them, <laughs> I don't know. But I have apologized to both parties in the past. And, and I have also apologized on different podcasts. We've not long passed the 13th anniversary. Actually, was it even further? It was, it was while, oh, when did we do that? That weird podcast above the, uh, above Nine Bar. It was when we were sat five up there. Five years ago? Was it five years? Okay, so maybe it's the, nearly the 20th anniversary of the Biggin and Wigan. Um, it's nearing that. Uh, but do seek out the match and, and, and enjoy. Like, it's sort of a pre-Botchamania fest for you. In fact, um, the first night that Matthew and I recorded commentary for North, the, well, by this point, the dust had settled on our rivalry. It wasn't a rivalry. Mm -hmm. um, and he'd Your miscommunication. Said, a miscommunication. And he'd said to me, oh, have you uh, done commentary before, pal? There he is. And um, I said, yeah, I did, I did like a joke match a while ago, uh, a match between Chris Brawls and Cage Tyler that did the rounds. And I always remember Matthew going, oh, my God, Biggin and Wigan. <laughs> Matthew knew what it was. And he spent the rest of the night, every, just every couple of, points, a couple of points of the night going, I can't believe it's you that did Biggin and Wigan. <laughs> he never knew. Never, you do I, sound very, very different, though. Like, I listen to, like, back to recordings of you, and you sound like a chipmunk. Well, it's 2005. Well, still, though, but you know what I mean? I'm like, a younger man. I mean that with, like, with, with love, but... Yeah, so there's a lot of alcohol that's flowed through the vocal cords. And since then, I've had my tonsils out. That's true. Because I nearly died that time. You got Quincy, didn't you? I got Quincy, which isn't a detective. Because all my tonsils swelled up in, like, 2011, 2012, to the point where, like, they said... If you don't go to A&E now, this is what the doctor said, you'll either, they'll either, they'll explode and you'll get poisoned or they might block your airwaves. So we need to take you now to get them like, they didn't take them out there and then, but they sort of let the air out. I don't know what they did. <laughs> they sucked some stuff out and then, nice. and then I end up having to, a little while later going back and get my tonsils out. 
at the, the tender age of 30. They never do normally, but I said, look, I'm a radio presenter. Yeah. Every, every four or five months, these knacker. And it's costing, costing me money. money. <laughs> yes. So they did. So, so that's probably why I sound different, because my vocal range changed since then. Um, but I yeah, for the better. Yeah, I think. I, I, I listen back to radio shows that I did around 2011, 2012, and I, I sometimes sound like this. You sound 12. Because <laughs> I could, t- like, there's, cause there's tonsils. That, maybe if the day where the tonsils are up, quite difficult. Now there's no tonsils, which makes it fine. So therefore, if I have a night, like, if I do a North show... My voice will be a little bit ropey for about 12 hours. And then if I drink enough water, it comes back. Um, but yeah, Biggin and I wanted to put Biggin and Wigan on because I want it to be both a reminder of a, of a, of a fun, quirky time, but also a reminder about being a good person and not taking the mick out of people who are probably just doing their best. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, Biggin and Wigan. We're going to take Biggin and Wigan, a salient reminder of, of times gone by. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. We are going to come back to the obviously the, the way into the comment section and, and all that kind of thing. But speaking of being nice. Okay. Or not in some cases. When you obviously came to, to, to Cultaholic, it was such a, a change. Obviously, you've been working with Justin for a little bit, but then you were asked to do the news videos. What was that transition like? Because obviously, the fan base for Cultaholic and, and it's got a king following and it was something a little bit different and people didn't really know who you were at this point. Yeah, that was different. Um, were you nervous at all? Oh, very. And and, um, I, and Adam has since said, like, I don't think I've ever had anybody, I've never seen anybody be taken into the warm embrace of the fandom like you were. Like, people genuinely just seemed on board with you pretty early on which was nice so that was a great relief but of course i'm the sort of person that will move all that out of the way this person here i hate wrestling 444 says i'm rubbish so therefore i must be <laughs> that sort of person I, I i just see i seek it out i'm getting better at it but i've always found i seek it out sometimes and I feel more inclined sometimes. Like I feel bad. There's been days where I've left mates on red, but I've been sure to find somebody that's called me a horrible name online and message them and go, just want you to know that I read it. Isn't that weird? It's weird, isn't it? It was like it? an ongoing joke at one point that you were like the troll whisperer. Yeah, because it's something... For me, there's something about when somebody says something nasty to you online and rather than... And I don't, I don't really condone this anymore because... The, the, the online has gotten much nastier in the last year and a bit, I think. It, seems, it certainly feels that way. But there was a point where, like, if, you know, if somebody come at me with something really nasty, instead of just sort of shouting back at them, I go, well, I'm sorry that you feel like that. You know, what's, what, is there, what, what can I do to help? Is there anything that I can do for you? And then the more you would talk to them, the more they would just go, I'm really sorry. Like, by the end of the conversation, they're like, I'm really sorry for what I've said. I'm just having a really rough time or I'm really sorry ahead. I just, I saw that one video of you. That's all I've seen and I didn't like it and I wanted to shout about it. Um, I, and, and I'm not saying that nasty opinions aren't, you know, I mean, everyone's opinions are welcome and I know there's people that, that I've spoke to have gone, I don't like what you do, but I wish you well. And like, that's cool. That's cool. They might not have got this far in the video, but that is certainly cool. I to- uh, That's fine. I think when I took that mask off, they probably stopped watching. And <laughs> off. <laughs> We're done. They would have, they, they, you'll know the true ones that will go, 
the moment that mask came off, I turned off. And then you go, well, actually, no, because you paused it, you wrote that comment, you press send, and then you turned off. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but there's, but then everyone's opinions are, are, are valid, but then there'll be some that are just having a bad time. And if you reach out, then I don't want to say you win them over, but more often than not, people will say things that are nasty when they're in a nasty place. You know, I don't tend to reach out to random strangers and go, I don't like you. Obviously, you could argue the bigot in Wigan is a bit of that. But that was there was no malice towards Chris Brule's or Cage Tyler. It was just he was a funny thing that I wanted to do to make some friends of mine on a message board laugh. Um, but I get why people might see it that way. Um, but it's learning to, I think that I used to, yeah, the troll whisperer thing is something that I used to kind of wear as a badge of honor, but I've kind of resorted to becoming sort of the troll blocker in years gone by now, whereby I've just gone, I just don't have the energy. Like the world is so heavy and it has been for the last 18 months or so. Like, is you reaching out and, telling me how awful I am. If that's making you better, then great, cool. I don't really want to see it. It's that weird energy that people have where if, you know, if you reply to something, then then you're sensitive. And if you block them, then you're a coward. I've said this many times over the last few months. You can't win. So you can't win. Either way. So I feel like, weirdly, as, a, as an aspect of troll whispering, is to hit block because then it gives them a bit of a win. They might need that win. It always does say more about the individual, though, doesn't it? It always says mm. more about that person. Than yeah, but that's my thought. That's 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 my final word on it. Really, it's yeah. just you'll never please everybody, and not everyone's going to like you. Justin, and that's okay. Justin Lockwood, who we used to work with at Heart, he used yes. to Heart Breakfast with Justin and Kelly. He said to me early on when I started at Heart, he said it's better to be someone's shot of whiskey than everyone's cup of tea, and that's a, another great phrase that stuck with me, and that's very true. And I don't always live by that, but I'm certainly, as I'm getting older, getting better at embracing that. I think it's an age thing as well. And I mean that in a nice way. No, it absolutely is an age thing. Yeah. I'm more at ease in my 30s than I ever was in my 20s, believe it or not. But even, you know, especially joining YouTube, which is very much a, a young man's game, at my age, seeing the world that I've seen, being of a certain vintage. You're not that old. Uh, compared to these whippersnappers yeah, on the well. YouTube. Certainly am. I'm up there. That's fine. That's fine. I bring a I bring a certain wisdom, and I, and you know, and people my age can can watch YouTube and not feel so lost in it all. If I if I drop a lash to the sub of wine reference, or Sonic the Hedgehog, or a Sonic the Hedgehog reference, you know, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. I'm proud of that. Yeah, I'm proud of what I do here, and it's taken me a while to really allow myself to say that. Do you feel like you're well? You, you said that you're welcomed with open arms. Do you yourself feel? like one of the team part of it because obviously being like the radio guy a little bit older like I'm not trying to look for things here no. but just, out of curiosity did you ever feel as though I always kind of jokingly brand myself as the fifth Beatle because I kind of feel like I was joining such an established core of people mm. that I did feel a bit like the fifth Beatle but I think as time's gone on we introduced Wonderful new people. Like Andrew's been doing more stuff on screen for us now and he's just a, just a dream. Um, and, and other people have come on and stuff on videos and stuff as well. I don't feel so much like the new guy anymore. And I think I, I quite, I take a bit of pride in sort of not being an OG, 
not being a newbie, but just sort of being here. I think people like the fact that people just like have accepted that I'm on the team is is enough for me now. I used to very much feel very aware that I was new and like disruptive, but I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I mean the fact that we've done over a hundred episodes of this and like we're at a point now where would I'm doing one. That it's 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 the point where there's been that much inquiry for it that we're here. Like I feel like this is an example of me leaving my own special mark on on the team and I'm I'm proud of that. Very proud of that. I'm proud of you too. Because I've noticed that there's been a change in how you react to, to things as well. You mentioned before, like sort of you don't feel the need to try and win people over anymore as such, that you seem a bit more comfortable in your own skin than you have for a while. Yeah. If you, it's not if, it, if you don't mind me saying. No, no, I get that. But like, I get that. Personally, you know, you seem to have come a long way in the whole idea of feeling like not good enough. And actually, I think you are quite proud of what you do now. And I'll always you go. Seem to take more pride in <coughs> There'll always be an element that, and I'm, and what's what I'm proud of is the fact that I I am taking more. I'm giving myself more credit. I'm, I'm I've put the bat down to an extent, but the relief is that the work ethic hasn't gone. Like I still think I'm working as hard as I ever have, and I don't think I'll ever stop working as hard as I ever have. I think I was always maybe a little bit frightened that if I started, you know, maybe sort of believing in myself a bit more. And if just one person believes in you, um, I would the, I would be worried that maybe the work would would stop. But now I've gone. Oh, actually, no, I'm still working just as hard, if not harder. And and I'm at the same time putting less pressure on myself to be more. If that makes sense, I think it does. It does. We joked before about how your dad. There's a quote from your dad that I wanted to share. Oh, okay. Because I don't know when it was, but he said to you, don't talk about yourself or wrestling. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it was a dating tip. It was a dating tip. Right. I was going on a date and my dad said, don't talk about yourself or wrestling. Both of which. I now do. You've made a career out of. And we've spent the last two hours doing. <laughs> I don't know what your dad makes of it now, but what do you think six-year-old Tom would have made of the Tom sitting in front of me now? I think his mind will have been blown by what we'd done. I think if I was to go back and sit, and like sit with Tom as he's in front of his karaoke machine doing a radio show for nobody and just go, mate, you've got no idea how far this goes. You think you do, but... The, the, the technology for a start isn't there yet for you to ponder it, but I, I promise you, you have no idea how far this is going to go. And you will, it will get dark at points, but that's all right. Because sometimes that, that darkness will weirdly help. And it's good. Your 20s are, are good, but your 30s are great. So here's to the 40s. I've got a couple of years yet before I do that. But I think he, I think his mind would be blown. So if I could go back and tell my younger self something, I'd say, do what you do. Don't take no for an answer from career stuff. 
It's going to get dark, but it's going to be all right. And the song is F.R. David, Words Don't Come Easy. That's going to save you about eight months. <laughs> Keep drawing Sonic, kid. It's going to be fine. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. This is lovely. What a treat. And for the one person who's still with us. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. We've run out of Prosecco. Can we get some more Prosecco? We've we'll, completely we'll go, run we'll out. Go. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Get this. some now. We'll go and we'll go out and get some now. Cheers. Cheers. Empty. <laughs> We're chinking empties. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Love you. Bye. <laughs> For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.